Hey, welcome back to Point Blank. This is John Cocoso sitting across from me. What's up, Ming Chen? And joining us from the West Coast, some would say it's the best coast. Who do we have? Mo Youssef. In studio today, our special guest. Please introduce yourself. Uh, Al Gatulo. And Al, uh, you're here for a couple of reasons, but... Um, one of the things that uh, that we came to know you for is as the host of the Craft Beer Cast, AM 970. Right. Uh, just before we get into your full segment, give us a little bit about uh, what else you do. Uh, well, I'm the uh, engineer and uh, newscaster for the Joe Piscopo Show, which is uh, heard uh, Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 a.m. on uh, AM 970, The Answer, uh, out of New York City. And uh, it's a political talk show. Uh, we lean mostly to the right, but we do have some fun and uh, talk... Uh, not only politics, but we'll talk sports, uh, it's quirky stories that are happening in the news, uh, entertainers. We had Jeremy uh, Piven on today. Oh, wow. Uh, who's doing some stand-up this weekend uh, nice. in upstate New York. And I think I think it's fair to say he's probably on the opposite side of the political spectrum of uh, Joe, or they're a little more aligned. You know, we didn't get into that because we okay. really wanted to focus on uh, the fact that he was doing stand-up and things of that nature. A lot of times when we have entertainment guests on the program, we really don't, don't focus on the politics, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unless they want to talk about it, on, on either side of the spectrum. It, you know, it really doesn't matter. Uh, which side you're on. So um, we have fun. I've been working with Joe now for um, six years. Before that, I worked with uh, Curtis Sliwa for uh, oh, yeah. for five, the Guardian Angel, um, and uh, worked at a number of different places. I've been doing radio now for, uh, I don't even want to say the number, but I started in 1991. So uh, it's been a long time. Um, so as I said, we'll delve into that a little bit more. I'm sure you've got a lot of uh, stories you can regale us with. I, I do know a couple of... Uh, Point Blank listeners, mentioned to us in the, um, I don't know, it couldn't have been on, on, on mail call. It wouldn't have made sense to bring it up, so maybe it was in the notes. But when Jeremy Piven came up before, they said they had just saw him maybe at the Stress Factory. Maybe he was trying out some material in Could New be. Brunswick uh, yep. a couple months back. So uh, that's somewhere lodged in the back of my brain, so uh, obviously he's doing a little bit more now. But listen, before we get into it, mm. before we begin, Mo, I don't know how you do it, but I have to give you kudos, Okay. You predicted that former Point Blank guest Antonio Brown yep. would rack up over $50,000 in fines before the season even started. And I think yep. I, I saw something that with his new fine today, it put him, I think, at 54000 Making well, your... he just got hit with another 14 today. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that put him over the top, making your prediction come true. All right. It's not the boldest prediction you've made so far, but uh, still, uh, how, what is it? He moved out there to the, to the West Coast, so you're a little more tuned into what's going on. What happened? Well, yeah, he's uh, – well, in a couple of years, he'll be, uh, he'll be living in Las Vegas, but right now he's in Oakland. And from the beginning of the year – He's uh, he's not like the new helmet that he's been given. Mm. So he's wanted to go back to his old helmet. So he's racked up fifty four thousand dollars for wearing his own unique helmet. Wow. Now, these guys can't you know, they can't wear their socks at a different level. They can't, you know, have a have a towel longer than six inches. And he knows this. And it's in his. And what he did to protest it even more, he 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 missed a, a walk through practice, you know, where you don't even break a sweat. And so they. Then he'll get fined for that, too. Right. On oh top of that. Wow. Yeah. So, you know what? I mean, you can do this kind of stuff when you get paid $18 million a year. You're not going to miss it. Yeah. Right? 
And listen, but, um, we're all we're all getting a little insight into into some of his antics because of hard knocks this year, right? I mean, but yep. you know, this is a guy who look. Obviously, he was a head case with Pittsburgh. They didn't want him anymore, right. so they got rid of him. Right? Uh, he goes over to the Raiders. Now he had time to tell the league that he wanted to wear the specific helmet, and it could have been grandfathered in for a year until he got used to something else. He chose not to do that, so he's got to accept the consequences here. My question is: Does he really want to play? Right. Does he really want to play for the Raiders? Does he really want to play football? Right. That's the issue. I mean, really, is what you have to look at. So hey, he's got the money to write the checks for the fines. That doesn't matter. And you're right about the uniform police. Joe Morris <laughs> is the uh, is the Giants' um, representative for the uniform police. Joe Morris. Joe Morris, the, the ex-Giant, yeah. and then the Jets have yeah. a representative. And uh, I cover both teams during the football season for ESPN Radio. And so. Joe will go during the game, before the game, and make sure that everybody's uniform is up to specs, writes out a whole sheet, and guys get fined every wow. week for having just the slightest thing out of place. Quick it's... aside, are you part Jamaican? How many jobs you have, Mon? This is crazy. Right? Wow. ESPN Radio as well. This Listen, I can watch football at home for free. They pay me. So that's the only reason why Somebody's figuring it out here. Right, exactly. All right, let's get to breaking news, okay? And the first breaking news is movie news. It's Marvel news. Okay? Stark Brothers, Jon Snow... And Rob Stark are now going to be reunited in the cast oh. of The Eternals. When we first broke here months ago that The Eternals was going to be happening, and then we talked about it again later when some casting notes came out, Angelina Julia, Cersei, which I think is spot on casting. Um, you know, I, I was excited that Richard Madden was uh, going to get back. And I said, I just hope they don't kill him off a third of the way through the movie. <laughs> but now they've cast... Uh, Jon Snow himself, Kit Harrington, in one of my favorite but more obscure Avengers as Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. Now, in the books, he is the the very mortal, very human lover of Cersei, this immortal Eternal. So I think for the first Eternals movie, they've got a lot going on already. They're introducing right. 15 characters. They're introducing a whole new mythology. Yeah. Maybe they'll be even trying to connect it back to Thanos somehow to try to fit this into the first movie. I think is a little insane, but I'm here for it. What do you guys think? Mink, start it off. Yeah, uh, I, a brave casting choice. Uh, you know, the, you look at those guys, yeah, they could be typecast at this point. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know... <laughs> Leave it up tomorrow to recognize that they're act, you know, the, the acting talent, and uh, you know they got name for themselves already. So, um, right. I, obviously, we're excited as fanboys yeah, that's right. that's of right. Game of Thrones and of Mar- and of Marvel. And uh, to uh, I, I I can't see who they I can't wait to see who they cast next. Uh, Fifteen characters. That's right. It's a lot for a. I'll, I'll say they go probably two and a half hours on this movie. Uh, you know, as they a, might they might have to. Yeah. Yeah. They might be eternally to. long, but yeah. And uh, you know they have to distinguish them. Yeah. Um, this is like Guardians. You go and pull 100 people on the street. Mm-hmm. You know who the Eternals are. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you'll get maybe, you know, you'll get probably about 85% blank expressions. <laughs> you get 15 fanboys who just left a con or the comic book store. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have to, they're, they're going to have to, uh, not dumb it down, I don't want to say, but just uh, do a very good job explaining in a very concise manner. Mm-hmm. Well, who everybody is. Listen, they, they took the Guardians who nobody knew. They were yep. not household right. names at yep. all. And, and, you know, every kid wants to be Star Wars and, yep. and every little girl wants to get a Groot doll. So they've done something right. Al, are you into the MCU? Uh, I am. I, I was never really into the Eternals. I got the whole storyline between uh, Black Knight and Cersei when uh-huh. they were with the Avengers because I was that was one of the comics Good I was memory. collecting back as a kid. Um, but uh, that's a difficult movie to pull off in a way that makes it acceptable to everyone. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, I remember when I went to see it, they released it in August. I knew about it. My son was was clueless. I mean, he was young. But, 
you know, it worked because it was funny and it mm-hmm. was hip and it kind of it fit the whole Marvel genre. And my kid ended up going to Comic Con that year as Star Lord. We found I had to go through oh, wait, wow. four Walmarts just within like a month and a half. After. Yeah. 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 yeah, I had to go through four wow. Walmarts to find a Star Lord co- costume that would fit him. And I think he was I don't know eleven or twelve at the time. And I found it. And Stephen Amell loved the costume when we nice. took a picture of him. And William Shatner even said to him. Great costume. Wow. So, and there were people that Whoa. stopped him and took pictures because yeah. nobody was Star-Lord. Right. Yeah, right. Because right. It was, you couldn't find it or people were you know, trying to make a costume, but it ru- wasn't really you know, the right thing. Right. So with the Eternals, here's a movie. If you've got 15 characters, two and a half hours, at the bare minimum, to get these people moving, now you want to throw a romance into exactly. it of somebody who comic fans will know is an Avenger, but in this movie he's obviously not going exactly. to be. That's going to be the difficult part. I, 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 that's why I was shocked that they made this decision. Again, Ming, you kind of said this. You know, Certainly, I applaud the choice. Uh, it's the kind of thing that you could probably work in into a second or third movie. You know, t- I, I wonder if they're trying to shoehorn too much. That said, one thing I have learned with Marvel, 26 movies, trust the process. Mm. So let's, let's see yeah. what we do. Mo, what are your thoughts? I love this. I, I love this. Um, the fact that uh, Kid Harrington and uh, Richard Madden and Rob Stark, are, yeah, they're, they're both going <laughs> to get together. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, like Al said, it's going to be tough to pull off, but I think it, it's just going to have such a natural draw over there. And, and, and um, I think you're right, and and I wonder if you know if they weren't being canny in doing that and saying, look, we understand that overall this phase four doesn't have the star power in terms of either comic book characters. Right, mm-hmm. we've spoken here on, on this show many times. You know, we've got Shang Chi, we love that, but it's not exactly a household name. Uh, nor does it have the star power necessarily in terms of the RDJ, the Chris Evans. Um, so, um, so maybe they're thinking, "Hey, we're going to do something, anything to keep the momentum going," and they bring Kid in. Listen, I, I wonder. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, no, but please. I wonder if they're going to introduce some of these characters in other movies first. To kind of to build mm. to set the audience up yeah. a little bit, there'd be an easy way to introduce Dane Whitman into a Marvel like movie. Yeah, or not even maybe not even a post credit scene. Maybe something that maybe doesn't uh, uh, directly affect you know X movie or whatever it is that they're in, but kind of moves the story at least to the point where they get to that. I don't I don't know. That might be an idea. Well, listen, they have an opportunity coming up. I don't know if you guys have seen the poster for Black Widow, which was released. Uh, I have. Yep. Looks. Looks awesome, by the way. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so what I was impressed was they had David Harbour, who's playing the uh, the Russian superhero who, who, you know, nominally we would view as a supervillain. Red Guardian. Uh, Red Guardian. Okay. They actually have him in costume on the poster, which I, I did not think they were going to go that direction. Oh. They got Yelena Belova, who's the, the second Black Widow in the comics. Right. Given Scarlett Johansson's character's fate in Endgame, uh, or Infinity War, I should say. Oh, no, it was Endgame. That's yeah. Spoiler. So, so, uh, so uh, she may be taking over the role going forward. Who knows? And um, oh, I think you just had it there, that one with the, the kind of red axe yep. there. Yeah. Oh, there it is. So, oh, yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, you see him. He's got the full beard. Oh, yeah. So, um, so with, interestingly, with who's not on that poster, I don't see him. Ming, uh, maybe with your eagle eye, you may be able to. See if you can blow it up there by... Oh, yeah, by, yeah this is a small one. Uh, uh, but I, Okay. Uh, is I don't see uh, Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye on the poster. 
And everything I've been reading says he definitely will be making an appearance in the movie, uh, which would only make sense. Right. Uh, after they shut him out of Infinity War, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and even the very uh, S.H.I.E.L.D.-focused Captain America Winter so, Soldier. Right. Oh, oh, well, oh, and no. Civil War, too. Uh, Civil War? No, he, no, he's, well, he's in that. Yeah, he's yeah, in yeah, that. But, exactly. uh, right. But you're right. In, in Winter Soldier, you would have expected him to be in that Because it's so S.H.I.E.L.D.-centric. Mm. And, you know, they, they showed us after the fact that if, you know, if you knew there was an Easter egg in the movie, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, the entire movie, was wearing a necklace with a little arrow on it meant to symbolize her strong friendship with Hawkeye. Guess what? That does nothing for us in terms of we're right. looking for the men. So right. I heard he's going to be in it. We don't see him there. But that's exactly the kind of thing, which, by the way, is going to be set due to it has to be a few years in the past. Right. They could, they could you know, um, retroactively introduce a character, kind of like you Oh, saying. sure. Absolutely, the opportunities there. Yep. So, uh, so good on them. Uh, you know, they got the excitement going. They certainly got people talking about them, and that's what they wanted to do. Okay. Point point two on breaking news. We got a new big man in town, and he was big already, but his name is Zeke Elliott. Okay, six years <laughs> at ninety million dollars. Ninety million dollars. You know, it's yeah. interesting. You know, he he turned down uh, opportunity. You know, the franchise tag would have, would have made him the average of uh, the the top five highest paid backs. Top three. Uh, yeah. Oh, top two. Because then they made him an offer, which would have made him number two. And to his credit, he said, "I'm just going to keep holding out till you get up to number one." And uh, Eventually, J.J. Jerry Jones got there. Mo, what's your hot take on this one? Well, they did it in time because they're playing the Giants uh, this weekend, right? That's right. That's right. And, and uh, they, they know for a fact that they're not going to get into the playoffs without Zeke. Now, he's already missed the, uh, the preseason, but I, I don't think he's going to lose any of his form. I think he's going to come back. I think he's been working out uh, through it. The, the big thing right now, this is what the whole buzz is, they have to win this year. Because they've tied up their money essentially between three players, right. so there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are coming uh, that have their contract expired by the end of the year, and they won't be able to resign them. So you yeah. know this isn't this isn't the same case where they had, uh, you know, uh, Irvin, Aikman, and uh, well, it's a different NFL. Smith. It's a different time. We're right. Playing uh, under a different exactly. set of rules. They yeah. didn't tie up that much. I mean. You, they're going to lose half their offensive line. I mean, they have Zach Martin who's getting paid like sixty million or something. Right. You know? So, so they have to win this year. You know, it's funny and, you mentioned that, that you think he's going to come in, you know, still in shape and form. You know, there are a lot, a lot of predictions that he'd be coming in, you know, the size of, uh, you know, as if Grimace ate the hamburger. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but early indications are he's yeah. ready, ready to yeah. play. Al, your take? He's 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 worked out. He's in shape. There, I don't. He's he'll get the start, but obviously they're going to put other running oh, backs course. in there to kind of to kind of play it off. And the Giants know this; they they weren't game planning that he wasn't going to play. So, um, what's interesting about the contract is it's smart on both ends. He's going to get most of his money up front, guaranteed. Most of his guaranteed money is going to be up front. So they still have two years left on his rookie contract. So they've just extended that bonus so that he gets that money there in those first two years. And then essentially it's a series of one-year contracts for, for the Cowboys. If they have to get rid of him, the 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 hit on the cap for them is right. not going to be that bad. Right. So he'll make his money in the next couple of years, and really that's where their window is. But do I right. think that they can win? That remains to be seen. I, 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 I like Zeke. I don't think the quarterback is good enough to get them to the next level. Wow, okay. And as good as their offensive line is, I, I don't know. I don't know I, where, you know. D- Dak certainly doesn't agree with you. Yeah. No, <laughs> he not, you know what? He doesn't, and I get it. But to me, Dak, is, Dak hasn't beaten that many teams. Let's not forget. Right. That's right. This is a Cowboy team that hasn't won that many playoff games in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean. Think, I think what's saving them, though, is that 
the East is still pretty weak. Yep. Terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible yeah. division. The Washington's uh, nowhere even close Giants to being able to in, compete for anything. What can Giants. we call charitably a transition yeah. year? We'll see how yeah. it plays out. <laughs> no, we'll see. I mean, uh, Daniel Jones could uh, could be everything that everyone, uh, certainly at the GM, thought he would be. Uh, but uh, but I think there's a heavy dose of skepticism, and I don't just mean in this room. No, but, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but the last time the Giants drafted a quarterback from Duke, his name was Dave Brown. He wore number 17, yep. and he was oh, hot garbage. That's it, so I, I like what I've seen from Daniel Daniel Jones in the preseason. My issue is this: I want to see him at full speed in NFL against and guys coming ones. at him, right? Against against guys that are coming at him with, with as um, Brandon Jacobs once told us in the locker room. He said, "This guy throws himself at you with his body like he's got another one in the closet." That's what I want to see. <laughs> I love that. I want to see out of guys trying going at him, and can he can he complete passes and make plays under that kind of pressure? This is Eli's last year, but if Eli plays well enough where he puts up numbers like he did last year, career numbers and this and that, don't be surprised if the Giants extend him because I could very easily see that happening. Now, I don't want that to happen. I want him to play out his cap, and that's it, and and move on. And they could have taken a very big cap hit this year to get rid of Eli, and it would have cost them... I think it was like twelve and a half or thirteen million mm-hmm. on the cap, but but and dead space. But they would have been moving on from him. So if you're going to eat this for another year with Eli, this is a team that has to make the playoffs. Yep. There, there's uh-huh. there's no room for error here. If they are zero and five, zero and six, then throw this kid in and let him get his reps, and it's time to move on. Interestingly, so that's uh, the only way they'll they'll hand off the team to him. Well, there's yeah, one, without a doubt. There's no, there's yeah. one other way. There's one other way, as predicted by frequent point blank viewer, listener, and sometimes collaborator George Setti, uh, who himself lived in New York for many years. George uh, predicted in mail call of the previous episode that when we were talking about the Daniel Jones Eli situation. And uh, I'll skip ahead to that mail call now because what he said is his prediction. He's getting in in your business, Mo. He said his prediction <laughs> is history will repeat itself. Eli Manning will be playing the role of Kurt Warner oh. when he'll be sacked into oblivion, knocking him out for the season, and Daniel Jones will step into the starting role. So uh, are, they, are they playing the Chargers? I don't, <laughs> <laughs> his former team, I guess you could say that. That, that is interesting, though. Yeah, but I don't see see uh, Eli. Uh, Eli's never left because of an injury. Right. He's been so durable. And that, kudos to him. I mean, the guy takes care of himself. He takes a lot of punishment, and yet he gets back up every single time. I've I've watched this guy from the start of his career now to the very end, and I've watched him, you know, up close. It's amazing what he's done. But outside of the two Super Bowls that they've won, what, what has he done? He's been a compiler. He's outside, been a stack compiler. Outside of a couple of helmet catches. But, um, yeah, but, but, but <laughs> get them credit. Uh, yeah, of course. You know what? You can't, you can't take Low away. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging you, you, fruit. You can't take away what they did uh, the first time against New England when yep. this was a team that was undefeated. They thought they were going to have this miraculous season, much like the Dolphins did. Yep. And it didn't happen, and they stopped them. And then the second time, you kind of had that uneasy feeling going in, like, well, they got a shot here maybe. And then, you know, it, it as the, the game went on, you were like, oh, my God, they could do this. They yeah, could right. do this. And he threw that pass to Manningham in that second game that nobody else could have put there. Yep. So yep. Uh, you got to give him credit. There. I absolutely do have to give him credit. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned about him never having to leave for injury. I don't. I don't bleed blue the way Mo does, at least when he's on right. the air right now, which he's not right now. But 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 it will sicken me forever for that streak to have ended the way it ended. Um, with um, you know, with him with him being benched. You know, oh yeah, yeah, no, that was, it, 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 it hurts me to my core that that happened. There was a way to do that 
that would have appeased everyone. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they didn't do it that way. And right. honestly, to be honest with you, I do not put that on the head coach. I put that squarely on John Mara. Oh. That's the guy who could have made the decision and said, look, this guy is our franchise. He gave us two Super Bowls. Yep. This is how it's going to play out. Geno Smith did not deserve that. And I'm not the biggest Geno Smith fan in the world. But yeah. Geno Smith did not deserve <laughs> to have all of that extra attention and all right. that nonsense because of this streak. So, okay. I, you know, I, I blame John Mara for that. I, I will say uh, I was with Mo for the greatest throw of Geno Smith's career. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't count. We were in Green Bay for opening day. I believe it was 2015. And the Jets were up 21 nothing. Of course, I turned to Mo and Todd and George and said, well, it's pretty much a guarantee they're going to lose this game. Of course, Aaron Rodgers led them all the way back from 21 down to take the lead. But on the final drive of the fourth quarter, from the 50-yard line, Geno Smith threw a pass perfectly to the corner to Perfect. S- to Santonio Holmes, okay, for the tying touchdown. Right. Only for it to come off the board due to Sexy Rexy's use of timeouts. So, uh, so, so and Gino was never the same. Now, Ming, before we move on to our yes. next point, I have to ask, your rooting interests at the college football level are well documented on this program. Yes. But I hear I sit across from you, having done this podcast for you for we're, we're two years, and I, I'm not quite sure, given your vagabond nature and all the places you've lived, who is your pro football rooting interest? I, uh, I, I'm still... Looking for a team to live and die by, okay. uh, being everywhere. Take it from me, please. Don't take the yeah. Jets, buddy. Please. No, no. I listen. <laughs> it's very hard to root for either of the New York teams, being that they don't play in New York. Mm. If they're gonna play on our turf here, they should they should change the name. So, oh, okay. Right. You're holding that against them. You want the um, I got my own. Looking for fans. I got my own holdout here. Okay. Now I was born in Cleveland. Oh well, there you go, my friend. See? But <laughs> that's, that Odell's a heck of a that's, player. Uh, that's been tough uh, ever since the days of Bernie Kosar, Webster Slaughter, oh, and especially Ernest Biner. Oh my God! It's been tough to uh, you know the fumble. It's been tough to root mm. for them. I did did spend time in Michigan, Detroit Lions. No, uh, their shoddy ownership. Nope. Yeah, can't do that. Uh, it's been hard to root for them. Yeah, um, no way. Uh, I did spend some time in the Mid Atlantic re- region, so I do follow the Redskins and the Ravens currently. Okay, um, but it's, it's you were in SoCal as well. I was in Southern California as well, but uh, you know, I I can't I don't believe the Rams were there yet. So uh, or no, the Chargers would have been, yeah, or right. the Chargers. So I mean, you know, if, if anyone wants to sway me one way or the other, I can. Well, you missed your window on the. Uh... I'm the Patriots. <laughs> well, I, I say root for the Ravens. I don't like Dan Snyder as an owner. I think I, he's a piece I, of garbage. I, yes, he hot, is. Hot uh, for two reasons. Two reasons. One, he fired, um, when he took control of the team, he fired a woman that had oh. been an assistant uh, for many years, 25, 30 yep. years, longtime assistant. He fired her. The Giants ended up hiring her. And, uh, Phyllis, uh, I can't remember her last name, and um, she just retired a couple of years ago. The Giants ended up employing her for another I don't know, eight or nine years yeah, or whatever okay, after good. Snyder had fired her. So kudos to the Giants for doing that. And then one time at a game as we're getting ready to go in the press elevator, Daniel Snyder uh, walks in. The security clears us out of the elevator. Now, I didn't see Daniel Snyder at first, a very short man. And um, we're like, oh, what, it must be somebody important, president, a vice president, no. somebody, whatever. And uh, no, it turns out Daniel Snyder doesn't like to ride the elevator with other people. Okay. So right oh, there, it wow. was a big F you. Uh, Good you know, for him. Like, who just, do you think just, you are? Just a couple more <laughs> reasons not to like Dan Snyder right. if you needed more already. Exactly. I'm going to give you a suggestion. Yes. Okay. Okay. If you're really starting from scratch. Here, sure. 
go with uh, Pat Mahomes and become a Chiefs fan for a while. See how Ooh. that play. Pays yeah, I, I do. I do like Pat. If and, I could uh, switch, I would. But I just. It's, uh, I, I have like the Chiefs uh, ever since days of uh, Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. There you Absolutely. go. Yeah, and. Wow. Uh, they yeah, did a great I, I, thirty for thirty on him. Yeah, the original and, Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, and uh, yeah, had to rock, knock the Redskins down a notch uh, ever since uh, Gus Frat hit his head against a concrete <laughs> wall <laughs> in frustration and got a concussion. No, you as, know, even even worse than that, he damaged the discs in oh his neck God. and spine. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, uh, that's tough, man. All right, let's move on to the next point here. <laughs> all right, and this is big news. I know Mo's going to be excited. There's going to be a Rambo Mega Marathon coming to the theaters culminating in Rambo Last Blood. Now, I know what you're right. thinking. At 73 <laughs> years old, can Sty Stallone still be doing enough HGH to, to, to convincingly pull off American legend John Rambo? The answer from the trailer is most definitely yes, he can. Okay? It looks awesome. He kills about 97 guys in this trailer. and uh, All with I, a bow and arrow. And I like the idea of this marathon. It was something I did once before in my life. Lord of the Rings went to, yep. on on the release date of uh, what was the third one? Return of the King. The the first two in extended edition format, mind you, so not three hours, but four hours, played back to back. So it was a twelve hour day, and uh, definitely worth it. I'm sure the lovely Suzanne would disagree, but uh, but Mo, where are we going to be when this comes? Are, are we going to go see this or what? Uh, when's it come out again? September. Uh, a couple weeks. Two yeah, weeks. exactly. Yeah, two weeks. I might fly out there, you know. We'll uh, we'll hit up a couple of Regal Cinemas. I have the uh, unlimited pass. Ooh, and, uh, yeah! Wow. Yeah. You know, I just I just don't want them to do to Rambo what they did to uh, Wolverine. You know, which is what? Which is you know, give him such a sad ending. You walk out of the theater and you just feel empty. But that was you a know? great. But that was a great I ending. Mean, Logan I mean, if you wanted to end, after- yeah. to end an iconic character like Logan on that note, and to do justice yeah. to that story. You, you couldn't have told it any better, and nobody could have played it better than Hugh Jackman. A- absolutely. And listen, that was yeah. an Oscar-nominated screenplay, yes. by the way. Yep. That's right. Um, and, there was and, a lot of driving. And I th- There was a lot of driving in a limo, a dirty limo, but it was a dirty future limo, so that's cool. <laughs> but see, here's the thing, too. I think there was some timing involved. They understood about the talks of the acquisition. It, it cleared the slate for, for him to be recast you know, with a young, younger actor to play him for right. the next 30 years with MCU. Yeah. I well, happen to agree th- with you, Al. I don't think anyone can fill his shoes of Hugh Jackman. Right. But who knows? 20 years from now, we may be saying this guy was the best guy. But think about if Doug Ray Scott would have been Wolverine. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> that's, that's he right. was cast and got injured on Mission Impossible 2, and that prevented him from starting uh, production with, with X-Men. So uh, that would have been – because he – He's the he's a guy who aged very quickly in <laughs> yes. movie in you know in the yep, movies. Yep, yep, yep. You know, like he was young in one moment, and then all of a sudden, wow, he's got a lot of gray hair there. Like Hugh Jackman, give him credit with the regimen that he put himself yep. through to yeah. get himself in that kind of shape. He actually looked better as the movies went on. Yes, uh, uh, getting I think you know as the actor cinematography to, had well, something could to do be, with could that. Could be maybe. <laughs> you know, funny <laughs> without knowing. No, but John, John, to go. your point, to your point though, I think once people go into the theaters. They're going to just forget that uh, Stallone is 73 years old. You know, it's going to be very believable. It's going to... The, the last yeah. one looked great. Yes. He really yeah. did a great I, job yeah. with that I last agree. one. I agree. Set in uh, Burma. Well, mm-hmm. Myanmar. Right. Um, you know, here, here's what's interesting. And Al does not know this mm. unless he is also a frequent point blank viewer because 
the very point that, that Al just brought up about Doug Ray Scott potentially getting the role of Wolverine was part of a five-point combat trivia question here Ooh. in this studio right. three months ago when my topic was X-Men, the original movie in 2000, and I was asked to name all of the potential actors that had auditioned or been offered the role of Wolverine before Hugh Jackman. And potential seven points on a five-point question, I got two. Uh, but in any event, not that I'm bitter about it. Now, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about our last bit of breaking news before we get to the good stuff. And I have to bring this up, and uh, I'll apologize in advance to our guest. Uh, but we got to talk a little baseball, and the baseball news this week is Mets meltdown. <laughs> oh, uh, man. What I saw today Woo. on Facebook from no less than 15 of my close friends and family you know, uh, disavowing the Mets or swearing Forever. They, could, they could never, ever watch another game and certainly never stomach a loss like that again. Mm. Uh, I, I, I knew that they had lost, but I tuned into, I think, Sports Center at about 11.30 p.m. last night. So it was over already, and I just saw 11.10. So I'm like, wow, a big, uh, you know, a slugfest. Uh, I didn't understand the context behind it. Al, did you see the game? or I, I did not see the game. I had turned it off earlier and okay. said, oh, all right. And then I looked and I said, oh, 10-4 in the ninth or whatever. No problem. In the bag. Um, when I woke up this morning at 3 o'clock and I looked and I went, oh, they lost 11-10. Well, gee, what a surprise. <laughs> um, this is, this is, that's the type of game that gets managers fired. Yeah. I didn't disagree with him leaving DeGrom in to pitch. Smart move. But at that point, you have to bring your guy in who's going to be your closer, and it's not no. this piece of garbage that they got from the Mariners. <laughs> no. I have yeah. never seen – and that's what – And what, what bothers me more than anything is when they touted this guy, he's lights out, he's shut down, he's exactly what we need. I'd rather have Armando Benitez in there again. No. Oh, my God. Than, than, than this guy. No. He's garbage. He can't, hold, he, can't, he can't do anything. And when you're up six runs in the ninth inning and you let yeah. a team come back and beat you like that, that's demoralizing. Now, look – I think the Mets have sold us a bill of goods in the last 45 days. Oh, we're back in it. Look at this hottest team since the All-Star break. This is what they do, and I'm a Mets fan. This is exactly what they do. They draw you in. They kind of give you that little bit of honey there. Oh, look, come on, come on. It's going to be great. It's going to be sweet. It's going to be sweet. And then what happens? The, the, the bed falls out from under them. So I'm not really surprised that this happened, but this is the type of game that they'll, they'll get rid of Mickey Calloway at the end of the year for. Um, and I think that that may have been sealed, and I think that brief – Hot streak that they had, right? All right, did a lot to saving his job. Yes, but, but over the long haul, the weaknesses are exposed. Totally, and uh, and he's made a lot of weird decisions this year. Um, there was one a couple weeks back where uh, he was killed for it too. Ironically, that one I didn't I didn't blame him too much for. Zach Wheeler was amazing mm. through uh, through six innings. Then he batted Wheeler in the bottom of the sixth. Right. But then replaced him with Lugo in the top of the inning. Which is ridiculous. It, you could have brought in a pinch it, hitter. It, it, right. Exactly. Instead of, yeah. and, and then Lugo imploded, walked the bases, and let all the runs in, and then lost the game. Right. And so where I, I wasn't – oh, I'm sorry. I said Wheeler, and I meant Mats. That game was – Oh, Mats. right. Okay. It, it, yeah, was Mats. Yes, it was Mats. Yes. Where I couldn't kill him because at that time Lugo was, was very, very hot. And and Mats is always one or two pitches away from his own meltdown. Mm-hmm. So, so even though he had been great that day – you know, I think in that way, Callaway played it by the book from the pitching standpoint. But then why inexplicably bat him? Use use one of your batters, a close game. So in any event, he's had a few head scratchers this year. Um, but again, you know, so I come from a Mets 
family uh, background. My dad's a Met fan. Okay. My brother Tom's a Met fan. Okay. My brother Vin's a Met fan. Uh, married into into you know lovely Suzanne's family. My brother Mike is a Met fan. His brothers, uh, uh, Brian and Billy, Met fans. Diehards. You, you know, father. You know, we were very privileged, by the way, Mo, as Yankee fans. Yeah. We were very privileged yeah. To, yeah. to to be oh, able to be it. with them. I took my brother Tom. Yeah. All right. Our co-host Todd, who, as you can see, is not here. Another Met fan. Todd, Met fan, brought my in-laws, Billy and, and, and Brian and Mike and, and Big Bill, took them all, Mo and I did, to Cooperstown as a treat to watch the Piazza induction. Oh, that's awesome. And, wow. And, and, and even yeah. not – oh, and by the way, it, we've covered this before. Who wound up staying in the bed and breakfast with us? None other than Nails himself, Lenny Dykstra. Whoa. Well, and, 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 he yeah. wasn't trying converting uh, it into a five-bedroom. Right, yeah. Ponzi scheme. Yeah. It, get you into – It like, was great. <laughs> it was great, of course, when the fire alarm went off at 3 in the morning because he went down to the basement of the steam room. But for whatever reason, he doesn't like the confines of a steam room, so he left a door open okay. and the steam <laughs> filled it and set off the smoke. Oh. <laughs> but in any event, listen, we had poker night. It was a great, great time. Uh, the teeth are, are something to behold. But my point was, <laughs> even though I am not a Mets fan, I, I do have a great affinity for them and for the fandom. And so for me to see what I saw today, these people that had watched it live and watched this implosion happen, um, you know, I've done it with the Jets a million times. I've sworn them off. I'll be back again this year. So I'm sure these guys will all be back too. But uh, but I do feel for them. Mm. All right. Let's... John, you called it three weeks ago, though. I mean, the, the, the Mets were playing their easiest part of their uh, did. their schedule. And I said they had the yeah. hardest remaining strength of schedule. Yeah, and you, the beat harder, the, yeah. you beat the teams that are in front of you. That's what you're that's supposed all you, to do. But that's it, all you can do. It's supposed to improve your, your team. And oh, we got the bullpen worked down. Everything's great and this and that. And then what happens? So. You know, I, I think they're going to hang in there for another week, but they're essentially out of it. All right. Now, before we, we move on to our next point, let's just take a second to talk about the first beer we're drinking. Yeah. Okay? So this is from Yazoo Brewing. And uh, if you haven't heard of Yazoo Brewing, uh, they're in Nashville, Tennessee. Whereas, uh, as our, our frequent listeners and viewers will know, that's where I was one week ago. Um, for a wedding, a lovely Suzanne's family member got, uh, got married, cousin Amanda, God bless. And... Um, and while I was down in Nashville, um, Ming, I had solicited a number of recommendations for yes. you beforehand uh, for speakeasies and, uh, and barbecue joints. And let me tell you, all your records were spot on, so thank you there. Oh, of course. Um, uh, I, I will give an extra special shout-out to Old Glory because besides having the speakeasy vibe, being literally underground, having no sign on the door, and crafting amazing cocktails, they really checked off all the boxes for what we are looking for. Um, but that said, I did manage time to get into a couple of breweries as well. So we went into Yeehaw Brewing, which was very, very nice. Good stuff. But Yazoo Brewing impressed me tremendously. So mm -hmm. this beer from them, which I had not had when I was down there. So I'm experiencing it for the first time, just like you guys. Okay. Uh, very good, by the way. Interesting. Amazing. Verifier Volfuit. So what the heck is a Verifier Volfuit? So it says, in collaboration... With pints for prostate, something I can always get behind, all right? <laughs> the Rare Beer Club, we have crafted this special ale. It is a Belgian-style triple ale, then fermented with multiple Brett strains and souring bacteria, then aged in red wine oak barrels for over a year, and then re-fermented with cherries and cranberries. Wow. wow. So I can tell you just <laughs> from a brewing standpoint, a lot went into this in both time and money. And I think the results are quite good. It's coming in at a little bit over ten percent. There's actually it no, like it. There's no ABV on here. You have to do a little research, and they say different batches come in at maybe slightly different percents. Mm -hmm. But um, and how long do they let it ferment? 
they said the barrel portions over a year. Okay. They don't talk about how wow. the refermentation happens. Hmm. So uh, could be worth some investigation. But yeah, I was impressed with Yazoo when I was down here. This does nothing to dissuade me. This is it's an excellent beer. It's really good and does not taste like a ten percent. I mean, that no, is not at all. And uh, you know, smooth. you know, I love my sours. Yes, and, yes. Uh, this this one's amazing. Uh, yeehaw! I believe I had some when I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, a couple oh, wow. weeks ago. Okay, but I have not had anything from Yazoo. And uh, this is amazing. So great job, guys. Uh, shout out you out on the comments. Uh, keep it coming, gentlemen. Well, let me yeah. tell you something a little funny, too, about Yeehaw, uh, who's also in town there. So uh, so friend of the program and friend of the shared universe itself, uh, Chef Barlow, Big Barlow, uh, Big Barlow's Barbecue, um, he was in Nashville, and his trip crossed over with mine by one day. So, uh, so my first day was his last day. And I said, listen, where are we, you know, we going to meet up? He goes, come meet me over at Yeehaw Brewing. And, uh, and so I said, sure, I just have to go to dinner first. So we went to dinner, and he said, okay, we're going to hit the brewery around 9. So we get there, and Big Barlow is nowhere to be found. And uh, I know he's a man of his words. So I said, what happened? And, and he goes, listen, here's a problem. You got here at 9. He goes, I neglected to mention I got here at 1 in the afternoon. <laughs> so uh, he said, uh, me and the wife, Danielle, you know, we've been drinking for a little while. And, oh. Uh, oh. and so we had to excuse ourselves. So, so we missed our crossover opportunity, but, uh, but we had a good time nonetheless. <laughs> nice. And actually, I think this is a good segue right now into our next segment. We're going to talk a little bit about our guest, Mr. Al Gattulo. Um, so I'll start it off by saying Yazoo Brewing. Have they been featured on the Craft Beer Cast yet? They have not. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into some other stuff. So uh, the Craft Beer Cast uh, is a show that I do on Sunday nights at 11 o'clock. Uh, you can listen to it on the AM radio for you uh, young folk who don't know what that is. That's the one at the uh, when you punch for the FM or you go for the, uh, the, the MP3 player. That's the other thing that's there. It's the first, not the slash where the FM is. Anyway, uh, we're on AM 970, The Answer. We're on Sunday nights at 11 o'clock. And uh, it's a show about beer. There's some music talk involved um, because I always think music and beer kind of yep. go together. Um, usually when you're drinking with friends, there's usually music playing in the background or something going on. Um, and the show started quite accidentally. Um, it was a couple of summers ago. I was at my community pool in a town that I live in in Clark, New Jersey. And uh, my neighbor had texted me. He had just gotten laid off from his job. Oh. And he said, where are you? And I said, I'm at the pool. I'm with my son. I said, why don't you come by? And he says, all right, I'll be there, I'll be there in a little bit. My son is in the water. I have lathered myself up with sunscreen or whatever and about to jump in. And I see him walking in. And all of a sudden, there's this announcement. Uh, everybody, please get out of the pool. There's been a defecation in the water. There's been a defecation in the water. Ooh. Some kid took a dump in the pool. Was it a Clark bar? Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look for it. Didn't ca- All I saw was a guy running with a, uh, a, a skimmer, and they were asking for more strainers or whatever oh to get God. this whatever it was out of the water. So now it's 95 degrees, and he's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, you know what? I just got some new beer from Coronado Brewing. Come back to the house. We'll sit out in the backyard, and we'll have a couple beers. Okay. We start drinking a few. I take a picture of the beer. I tweeted it out and tagged Coronado Brewing in it and said, oh, great IPA. I think it was their Islander IPA. And um, within five minutes, they were following me, and their PR rep at the time sent me a, a message back. Hey, I'm from the East Coast. Great to see that you're drinking our beer out in New Jersey. This is great. What's your address? We'd like to send you something. So I give them my address. Think nothing of it. Four days later, I get a box, this enormous box in the mail with two six-packs of beer, two wow. bomber bottles, T-shirts, all kinds of stuff. Did they, did they know you were on the air? No clue. Oh, my gosh. None. So and a little note, you know, thanks a lot. You know, we really appreciate it. Whoa. So um, my neighbor says, "Oh, you should do a radio show on this." I don't. I eh, yeah, whatever. Okay. So uh, about a month or so goes by, 
and I decide to start doing these little uh, YouTube videos on reviewing on beers that I'm drinking. And um, one of the sales guys that I work with, he sees this, and he says to me in November of that year, he says, you should do a show. And I said, yeah, well, we'll see, you know, whatever. He said, oh, I'm going to talk to Jerry, our boss. So we're at our Christmas party a month later, and my boss comes up to me, and he says, Al, I love the idea of talking about beer. It fits in with stuff that we want to do on the weekends, more, um, you know, uh, with cooking and entertainment and things of that nature. It's great. Um, if you could sell it, you could put it on the air. I said, Jerry, that's great. I said, here's the problem. He goes, what? I said, you're drunk. I'm drunk. We're here at a Christmas party. Tell me on Monday when you're sober, and we'll do it. Because I figured, all right, he's just giving me lip service. You so still Monday, like the idea then, yeah. Right. So Monday rolls around. He says to me, he says, absolutely. He said, if you can sell it, I want you to do it. Get it done. Uh, within two months, we had the show on the air. And if it wasn't for that kid taking a dump in the pool, <laughs> we wouldn't have had the show. <laughs> so there it is. But uh, no, we have we have a lot of fun. We have usually have a guest uh, in the craft beer world uh, every week. Sometimes we do like this week's show. It's just going to be more of a news segment because I had um, uh, two guests last week that took up most of the show. One was about... Uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, these two mm-hmm. authors, wrote this definitive history uh, and biography on Stevie Ray Vaughan. And the other was uh, Sean Lawson from oh. uh, Lawson's Finest. Who, who, who I just have to mention, he was just in town, yes. appeared in person at the Little Silver Bottle Shop. Uh, we were very excited about that. Yeah. He was down. They started. They actually started in Long Beach Island and worked their way up. And yeah. where I am in Clark was their last stop. They were heading back to Vermont. And um, he is originally from Jersey, which I did not know. I did not know either. Grew up in Asbury Park, grew up around here. Ah, okay, makes um, sense. He's doing a collaboration with Carton that will be out soon. They had talked about wanting to do a collaboration together, and they finally got it done. And uh, he sat with me out on the patio at a local bar that I go to all the time, and we did uh, 10 minutes. It was fantastic. So, I mean, it so, so that was my question. You don't have to go into the studio in New York to record all your segments. I do. Um, this just happened to be one of those things where he was there. I went. The place is five minutes from my house. And with technology these days, I record most of my, the interviews oh, that I okay. do on the road. I do it right off the phone, which is great. Um, but no, but the majority of the show is done in studio uh, where either a guest will come in studio or I'll, right. I'll call them on the phone. And do so um, forgive me. I don't know the answer to this in advance. Um, you mentioned maybe a straight news segment, uh, a new news episode coming right. up. Did you get the chance on the episode with the uh, with those guests to talk about the big founders news? No, that's actually going to be this week. Okay, so that's all of the thinking. founder right, stuff was happening, yeah. and I didn't want to give it short shrift and just kind of make a mention. Oh, they have two beers coming out, and yeah. oh, by the way, <laughs> they sold ninety percent of the company uh, to Miguel San- uh, Mahu Sangel, whatever. Right, right. Um, you know, so I, we're dedicating a segment of that uh, this week. The second segment of the show will be all about founders cool. and the changes. And look. I, I, I'll make no secret of it. I'm a big fan of Founders. Uh, I like them a lot. I like a lot of the beers that they do. Um, and I understand the perspective as to why the owners, and I've talked with Dave Engbers a couple of times, as to why he decided to sell the, or they mutually came to the decision to sell the company, or most of it, over to this bigger company. The craft beer industry is changing. And what we're seeing now is a lot of the mid-level and upper-level brewers are having issues yep. with getting their product, their tap handles in bars, their um, their beers on the store shelves. It's a big issue. Local has become the big yep. thing. Yep. Fresh, local, hey, this guy just brewed this beer today. That's what I want to drink. So these guys are having issues. Look at what all the issues that Stone Brewing has yep. had. They opened the brewery in Germany. What happened? Two years later, it, w- it went bust. They had a um, which, which I have to be honest, I did not see that coming. I mean, I understand Germany has more breweries per capita right. than any other country in the world. Right, but there there is still a demand for U.S. innovation and U.S. craft brewing. And I thought 
Stone had the brand recognition to make it happen. But go ahead. The, but the problem with that was was that the brewery was located so far out of uh, Berlin and at the outskirts that it was not easily accessible by train. People right. they don't really Uber as much out there as as other people do. So it was it was difficult to get to the brewery. So that's part of why they uh, it ended up failing. I don't know if Greg Cook would ever admit to that, yeah, but. Yeah. Okay, and he's a nice guy. I've interviewed him. In fact, when I interviewed him, they were just opening the brewery in Berlin, so I ended up talking to him. Well, if you have him back on again soon, uh, be delicate uh, with that particular one. No, I don't mind. He's, <laughs> I'll tell you what about Greg. He is he is very much a straight shooter. You ask him a question, he's going to answer it. He doesn't sugarcoat it, which is great. And they hosted my wife and I a couple of years ago. Uh, we were out in San Diego for vacation and had us at uh, the brewery in Escondido. Yeah. And the first off. <laughs> go to that. Go to the uh, the beer garden <laughs> yep. at Stone and Escondido. That is amazing. The beer is great. The food is off the charts. So, so Ming, have you been to that brewery? Uh, I've not been to the one in Escondido. Uh, they have station. a they have a tap room right by Petco Park. Okay, yes, it's basically, oh, right, right. It's basically yeah. in Petco Park. Yeah. Right, right. it's so close. And I spent a whole afternoon there uh, sampling uh, pretty much their entire line. They sell like a little five ounce pour. Yep, and uh, it was amazing. It was a it was a great way to spend. Uh, it was right after San Diego Comic Con. I think it was a Monday afternoon, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe yeah. Tuesday. I was winding down, waiting for a, a red eye flight, and uh, it was amazing. Yeah. So here's what I'll say: um, if you enjoy beer at all, if you like craft beer at all, that Stone Brewery in Escondido. I'm going to co-sign what Al just said. Needs to be on your bucket list of places to get to. Yeah. You've got enough opportunities to get there, Mo. You're going to go there with me in January. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. But um, okay. but. Um, you know, I, I, I do a thing where for L'Oreal, uh, pretty much uh, every January, our our annual sales meetings in Southern California somewhere, somewhere between San Diego, L.A., uh, you know, Orange County, anywhere mm-hmm. around there. And so what I'll usually do is I'll fly in to Vegas the weekend before you know, where I'll meet up with Mo or some of our other friends. And then uh, I really enjoy renting a car and driving it through the desert Every year, four or five hours, it's beautiful, and it gets me in the right mood for the sales meeting for the week up ahead. And uh, so a couple of years ago, I said, well, listen, I'm going to rent this car, and I'm going to look where I can return it. And when I saw they had an opportunity for me to return it in Escondido, I said, well, this is a done deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, That's it's, easy. It's everything I mean... you said. You know, what's great, too, is they don't just have stone beers on tap. They've, they've got, you know, this uh, – I don't want to use this uh, millennial word, but they've got this curated collection of uh, of yes. some of their favorite craft beers on tap as well. A world class chef, and how about those outdoor grounds at the? That's store? where we we yeah. sat outside for dinner, and the entire thing was on them. Right, like they wouldn't even let me pay for a thing, and they just kept bringing beer. You have to try this. Oh, you have to try this one. You have to try that. And my wife says to me. Uh, how are we driving back to the hotel? Said, Don't worry about it. We'll get back there. But this it, isn't Germany. We can take an Uber. Right. But what's okay. what's amazing about it is that it's in this industrial park in Escondido, and you look and you go, "This, this, all right, yeah." So it's a brewery, whatever. And then you walk into these beer gardens, and you are transported yep. to another place. That's how cool it is. I mean, it is. It's a it's a great place, and I, I encourage people if you're out there, take the tour. It's a great tour. You have a, you have a lot of fun. They give you a couple of pours afterwards. But absolutely, you got to eat dinner there. It's it's great, and Liberty Station is nice too. But the Escondido one is fantastic. Um, okay, so that's 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 some um, on the craft beer cask. Why don't you give us an opportunity? Oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you give us a little background? When that kid took that poop yes. in that pool, yes, what set off the chain of events to start that? How long ago was that? 2015. We started the show in 2016. Okay. And then I got, uh, <laughs> in 2016, we started the show. And then I got diagnosed with cancer in September of that year. So uh, that's how oh, I, wow. I remember it the whole 
timeline. So, well, listen, you you, you took us there. If you're comfortable, just tell us a little sure. bit about your journey. You're able to beat it. You're here with us. Tell us. Yeah, uh, it, it it all started. I was. Um, uh, having some throat issues, and uh, I thought it was because I had been to a Judas Priest concert uh, the night before, <laughs> and uh, I thought I'd wrecked my voice from screaming, and um, it gradually started to get worse and worse, where about six months or so later, there was a hissing in my voice, and people were noticing it, and they were saying it, you know, telling me on the air, and I, you know, it's, yeah, I got it, I know I, I can yeah. hear it, I know what's going on. And so I was misdiagnosed with a bunch of different things. Oh, uh, I was acid reflux. It's this. Take these pills. Stop drinking coffee. Stop drinking beer. Do all these different things. Nothing was really helping it. The only thing that was helping it was beer. Because when I drank and I got a little buzz on, it would go away. Okay. And I'm like, well, I can't sit oh. here and be buzzed for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's no way to go <laughs> through life. So eventually, we're, we're still trying to figure it out. And the summer of that year in 2016... Uh, I'm mowing my lawn, and I had to stop like 15 times, which never happens. I can do my lawn in 45 minutes. My wife is giving me an inhaler. She's a nurse, by the way. Um, and she's you know, all these different things. Finally, I get it done. She says, look, you better go back to the, uh, my doctor, who was her doctor she was working for. And um, went back. He put a stethoscope on my back. This was late July. He says, oh, you got environmental asthma. Take these steroids. He says, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. He says, this should clear, clean it right up, right? Sure enough, take the steroids. Everything's great. I'm mowing everybody's lawn. I got so much energy. <laughs> yeah, I'm running yeah. around. It was awesome. Yeah. Six hours after I took the last pill, it came raging back oh. to the point where I couldn't breathe. And then I'm noticing like my neck is getting bigger and my face and everything. I'm going, am I gaining weight? What's going on? So I called the uh, doctor and uh, I'm drinking he, all this beer. Am I gaining weight? Yeah. And well, I mean, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly exercising then like I am now. But anyway, um, uh, I called the doctor. He says, go for a CAT scan. He says, I think I know what it is, but I just want to double check to make sure. Run up uh, to Westfield, grabbed a CAT scan. Uh, two hours later, I was diagnosed with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it was stage zero wow. at the time. Okay. And by the time we got to the oncologist and started treatment, it had already jumped up to stage two. No. To the point where uh, wow. they showed me the uh, the CAT scan of how closed off my trachea was, my throat, um, that it was barely a pinprick. And the oncologist was so afraid that I was going to suffocate in my sleep and my right. wife was going in for surgery at the same time I was supposed to start my treatment. And I said, look, she's got to get taken care of first, and then I'll come in. We scheduled it for Thursday. She's going for surgery Monday. I have a 13-year-old. Somebody's got to take care of him. Right, can't right. just leave him alone. And um, he says, but no, but, but you don't understand, sir. You don't understand, Mr. Cattulo. You don't understand. I said, um, doctor, let me ask you a question. Am I in imminent danger of dying in the next 72 hours? He said, no. I said, I'll see you on Thursday. Don't worry about it. She's got to get first and I'll take care of it. And Good I have man. to say, this oncologist was fantastic. His name was Dr. Soraya. Uh, he no longer works for Summit Medical Group. Okay. He's with Rutgers now. But um, he was amazing. Uh, we had a lot of um, back and forth in the beginning about things that he wanted to do. But his treatment was very aggressive. They attacked oh. it with four drugs that I had to go twice a month for. Mm -hmm. um, I had to get a medical port put in. The first treatment took about four and a half hours. After that, it was about two and a half hours of treatment. But I can tell you by... Um, we started mid-October. By early December, I had no white blood cells. Um, wow. Could not get an infection. Never missed a day of work. Never called in sick. If I could get up, I could go to work. That yeah, was wow. my mantra. It was uh -huh. This is something to keep me moving and get yep. me. Because my goal you was. Need that. Yeah. yeah, and I said to him, I said, all right, how long is this going to take? He says, six months. I said, all right, great. Um, the Atlantic City Beer and Music Fest is April 1st. <laughs> Can you get me there? He says, I'll get you there. He got me there. So kudos to him. And, uh, and to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. It's a journey. It's like anything else. But I, the one thing I will tell everybody listening, watching right now, something doesn't feel right, go to the doctor. Go get checked. 
believe me, it's the difference between treatment and not getting treatment. Trust me, it's it's a, it makes a big difference. How long can we uh, can we say? Because I you know I re- I remember this, but how how long can we say that you're in the clear now? Uh, this is now. Let's see, May will have been two years that yeah. I am out of uh, chemo and radiation. So uh, everything's good. I go. Uh, I have another test next week. Uh, see the oncologist after that. New oncologist who's great. She actually turned me on to a f- reflexologist because I have a lot of neuropathy in my feet and okay. my legs because radiation, everything just sinks to the bottom. Gotcha. So I have really no feeling in my mm-hmm. feet. And this woman works on me in Westfield uh, once every couple of Does weeks. Does she tickle your feet? Like, what happens? Like- <laughs> she manipulates. She mani- everybody says it. Joe Piscopo makes this all the time. She says, oh, right. Svetlana. She's the- she- this woman's amazing. She grew- She's my age. She's 49. She grew up in East Germany, the communist bloc, and she has stories. It's like a history lesson every right, time I go right. there. Uh, but she manipulates uh, the joints and areas of my feet to give me feeling again. And okay. she has done more for me in almost a year than anybody has. And I've been dealing with this now for about two and a half years. Wow. So uh, she's wow. amazing. Well, listen, we're glad you're here. Thank you. Uh, but you mentioned Joe. So let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's segue into that other part of your career right. where um, you are uh, on the morning show. You're mm-hmm. the engineer. You give some uh, news updates as well. Twice an hour. For uh, for Joe Piscopo. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show. Uh, we should mention this. I don't think anyone who's watching or listening or downloading Point Blank would not be of the generation to know who Joe Piscopo is. But uh, he, he, he was, for my time, one of the you know the greatest ever. Uh, of course, he was on SNL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the chairman of the board. Uh, my uh, my my recollection, and you're going to know a lot better, so please jump in. But I remember Frank Sinatra actually giving his blessing. That's and, that's correct. And say you are the vice chairman of the board. That that is correct. Uh, and he said to actually Joe tells the story all the time. He said when he met Frank for the first time, Mr. Sinatra. Yeah. Uh, he asked him if he could call him Frank, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was the way <laughs> he was, and. Uh, he, he is uh, Joe is very meticulous, and uh, uh, the way he honors uh, Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. and the way he does his act. In fact, um, he was also mistaken when Frank Sinatra Jr. died. Apparently, a uh, television station in uh, in uh, Green Bay, I think it was, uh, ran a picture of Frank Sinatra Jr. that was actually Joe Piscopo as oh Frank Sinatra, God. which was hysterical. So, yeah, you know, for interns sure. like, oh, this is the guy. Nope, not the guy. He's but- the guy playing the other guy. But Joe, so. but Joe does a few characters on the show too. He does. He, well, mostly it's Sinatra, but he does the the sports guy. Yeah. Uh, he's done uh, Doug and Wendy Weiner, you know. Oh, yeah. Weiner. And every time Joe yeah. complains about something that's affecting him, I break into the hole. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I don't want I have diverticulitis. Oh, so he's done uh, a bunch of different characters, but the Sinatra yeah. one he's known for. But I will I will say this. If you have an opportunity to see Joe live, mm-hmm. he puts on an amazing show. It's it's jokes, it's impressions, yeah. but he plays eight different musical instruments. He plays the saxophone, wow. the guitar, wow. the drums, the piano, uh, the flute. I mean, it's amazing. He'll be practicing the flute sometimes in his house, and I'll just drop in, uh, you know, a flute song of something, Jethro Tull, or, yeah. you know, you know, whatever, just to throw him off. Uh, Love Springsteen. We'll play Springsteen. Does Johnny Cash? Um, his drumming is unbelievable. Like, r- really, like top notch. Uh, I and his son, uh, one of his sons, because he has children from three different relationships, or as he likes to say, a kid at every exit on the Parkway. Um, <laughs> his uh, son, um, uh, uh, Michael. Uh, plays guitar now too. Big blues guy, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Wow, so, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, very cool. So, very so cool. how long have you been working with Joe? Uh, six years. Um, he actually came to us 
by surprise. Uh, Curtis Lee was doing our morning mm-hmm. show before that. And I had worked with Curtis for a little bit at uh, WABC. Yep. And when he was... Curtis um, on the year, they were a long time at WABC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah long Kurt, time. And Kubi, all this stuff, yeah. Because of all business stuff or whatever, um, it turned out um, the company was going bankrupt. They weren't going to be able to pay Curtis. So Curtis knew he was going to be fired. And uh, it, the answer came along at the time. They were called the Apple. And um, they hired him. They hired me. And they hired our producer, Frank. And um, Curtis was there for about five years. We were just about to move to studios from New Jersey to New York. And um, Curtis's contract was up, and they just they couldn't work out a deal. Mm-hmm. And so um, Curtis left, and uh, Frank and I were doing the show for a couple of days. Joe comes in, sort of as a guest. You know, we're going to bring Joe Piscopo in and see, uh, you know, have him do a couple of shows. And he never left. They signed him to a deal, and that was it. I mean, he came in to do two shows, and he's been there now for six years. Awesome, awesome. So, pretty cool. Well, listen, it sounds like you've got a lot going on, and all of it's great. It's uh, fun. I, listen... Radio has been the only job that I've ever wanted to do since I was 12 years old. I was lucky enough to know very early on what I wanted, mm-hmm. and uh, I got my first taste of it. I went to see um, the third space shuttle liftoff uh, down at Cape Canaveral. I wrote a letter to the president. Uh, bless you. Thank you. Uh, I wrote a letter to the president wanting uh, a, an all-expense-paid trip to NASA to see a space shuttle. So they forward the letter to NASA. NASA said, well, we can send you a pass. I don't know about the rest of the trip. <laughs> you got to get down there on your own. Right. Yeah. So my dad took me when I was 12, and we were seven miles away, uh, just yep. right, right outside the vehicle assembly building. And we got to watch the third space shuttle take off. And I recorded the whole thing into a tape recorder and brought it back to my sixth grade class. And we played it. And everybody loved it. And I caught the bug right then and there. And that was it. I was hooked up. Let me that. ask you a question. Yeah. This wow. is going to get real weird. Was this 1981? Two. 82. 82. Okay. Uh, I'll have to check. I was there in first grade uh, for the shuttle launch as well. My uh, my family lives not far from uh, from Cape Canaveral. Okay. And so I would have been in first grade. I would have started in 81. Second half would have been 82. So either I was at the same one you were at or maybe I would have been at the one. It was STS-3. I know Jack Lausman. I forgot the other astronaut's wow. name. I, it's that's awesome. been that long ago, I didn't so. record it and I wasn't in radio, but that's awesome. Uh, and it's good that you knew what you wanted to do. Right. And you forged a career doing just that. And at the same time, look look when you get to mix in with that. I mean, you're talking about beer, sports, uh, uh, comedy. You're working with a legend. I mean, just the, the, the whole thing. Uh, I would like to say uh, a lot of guys, if they could draw it up and do that, Al, they would do. So you did a good job. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I got, I got very lucky. Uh, it's a business that's very difficult to break into. And uh, it is very difficult to uh, sustain, uh, raise a family, and have a career. And I've been fortunate enough. I have never had to leave the New York market. Uh, I've been employed here. You started uh, you know. at the top. Stay at the top. Uh, yeah, I, well, I got to work at the radio station that I grew up listening to. It was my first job, WNEWFM, ah. the place where Rock lived. And um, I learned a lot there, and a lot of those friendships helped me to get a lot of jobs in this business. So uh, I was very, very fortunate, let's just say. So awesome. it's, a, it's been a lot of fun. Been a good ride. The uh, the date March twenty second, nineteen eighty two. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. All right, STS three. Yeah, okay. that is correct. So actually, then we were. I was there at the same time because that would have been the March of my first grade year. Okay. So uh, there you so go. Al and I could have met decades ago, and uh, and we didn't realize it. Very cool. Very cool. I love it. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I've had an, uh, an an interesting career bouncing around to a number of different places. We were telling a story um, before we came on the air about. Uh, uh, a place that I worked at called eyata.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was talk radio for the internet and way beyond its time. I mean, we had shows. We had a video game show that I used to produce. And we would set up a screen, much like in this studio. We'd put Half-Life on. We'd give everybody the IP address. And people from around the world, uh, we'd have at least six people, including myself and the host, 
would play Half Life. So while this we is were like ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah, ninety nine, two thousand. Wow. And we would be, you know, people would be, uh, you know, sniping at people while we're doing this show, and, and uh-huh. we would stream it. I mean, this is way before broadband was in a lot of people's homes. So you invented Twitch, basically. That's yeah, what you're pretty saying. much. Essentially. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. And we had a blast. And I, I uh, <laughs> a couple of, the, I produced a pro wrestling show, an Ultimate Fighting show. Uh, we had a lot of different celebrities that would come in. I met uh, Michael Madsen, Mr. T. Um, we did uh, dwarf bowling one night with some oh of the people God. from the Howard Stern show, oh, Stutter and John. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was a lot of fun. But that was the days when banks gave uh, dot coms millions upon millions of dollars. They do whatever you want with it, right? Because this is before the dot com bubble burst. That's correct. That's right. So they got twenty five million in funding in the first go around. They blew wow. through that in about a year. We got another fifteen million. Uh, what was your salary? Can you disclose that oh, for the it was record? Very good. Let's. Pay. <laughs> Every got, everybody got paid very well. Uh, it was one of the best jobs that I ever had. I had great bosses. We got to do so much stuff that you could not do on radio today. Um, I mean, you could do it now in podcasting and stuff, but back then, it was it was something that you couldn't do uh, right. anywhere else. And it was niche program. That's the that's the thing, um, and that's I think part of the reason why radio is failing. Um, they say that you can't sell it. Um, you can sell radio. There's a way to do it. You have to you have to figure out what what that is. A lot of radio programming now should be niche programming. There's a reason why Sirius Satellite Radio has a pro wrestling program that's unbelievable that does so well because it caters to the fans. They get it. Yep. They know what they want to listen to, and that's what it draws right. subscribers. That's the key. So I think you can do that with radio too. I think Sometimes I think radio is a little too homogenized, uh, whether it's talk radio, whether it's music radio, sports radio. Like, what was it? Entercom bought uh, Francesca's app? Yep. Wow. I mean, really? Yeah. Did he have a hundred people subscribing? <laughs> Who's paying ten bucks a month for that? Nobody. <laughs> you got to give the people what they want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, when when you, you, as soon as you said the homogenization, you're absolutely right. There's uh there's there's very I shouldn't say very few because there are obviously a lot of ones that have bro- broken through. Right. But but what what I think anyway, what SiriusXM does allow is you can get that niche because you can have a whole channel and a program director and everything just keyed in on that niche only. Right. And so maybe it allows for the breeding of some of these programs that can be more successful. Um, and a lot of, again, to, and I, it's not a term I hate to use, but just, I mean, it is what it is. So terrestrial radio, mm-hmm. you know, which is what you're working in and it's certainly what I've listened to for the 44 years sure. of my life. Um there, there is a lot of sameness, and that applies to FM and AM. And, um, you know, I think 95.5, you know, PLJ made big news last year, right? Right. When they, huh? when they changed their format for the first time in, I, 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 I can't remember how long, to, is it Christian Rock now? Is that- yeah, it is. And, and that, that whole thing, everyone's saying, well, they're not going to have success. Oh, no, they're going to have a lot of success. Right. And the reason why is exactly. because their listeners are loyal. It's all done by, by people donating money. And that's where they make their money. And kudos to them. That's if, if that's their business model, and it works. And they have people that w- are willing to pay them. Great, good for them. And it might not be something you want to listen they, to. Right. Now you're right, but it, do it, they it, turn over their whole staff? Yeah, all of them gone. Yeah, gone. It, it, so. ma- it made for them a point of differentiation. Right. If we're here saying, oh, every radio station is mm-hmm. playing the same thing, then if you're playing something and you're willing to take that risk, there's a good chance it could pay off for you. Now, Mo, I think one of the greatest radio stations, uh, K Rock in L.A., which for a long time was the table setter, you know, the, the, the tastemaker, if you will. They were deciding, you know, which bands were going to make it or not because right. if they played it there, then it would come out over to the East Coast. So I don't know 
you know, what your commute is like if you're listening to a lot of radio or if uh, you're still on the self-help books on, on Audible, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> I'm blowing through about two or three audio books a week. So uh, wow. Wow. You know, my commute, my commute, my, I'm sorry, my commute is anywhere between on a good day uh, just under an hour to today, which was uh, just over two hours. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, one way. Wow. So uh, yeah, that's changing shortly. Okay, so, and, and tell us why. Well, that's uh, in our parting shot, so you'll see. Okay, later. well, all right, and that's the tease, <laughs> and that's the tease. Actually, uh, Mo, we we may throw it back to you very shortly because you've been known to come across a cool thing or two. But uh, but before but before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about what the second beer that we're drinking. Yeah. Is, okay. So this is from the Virginia Beer Company. Okay. All right. And uh, it's not the first beer from Virginia Beer we've had on here. Uh, they're rapidly becoming. One of my favorite breweries in the country. It's my own tease for top three coming up next. But um, but this beer uh, is called Waypost. So Virginia Beer Company, uh, kind of funny story. Their owner, uh, Robbie Willie, we become good buddies. Uh, we've only actually met in person the three times, but, but we've become good friends. We had a mutual coworker, a girl that worked with me at L'Oreal, Winnie. Uh, before mm-hmm. she joined L'Oreal, and Mo, you know Winnie very well, of course. Yep. Um, uh, how well do you know her? Mo? No, I'm kidding. So anyway, um, <laughs> so, um, so 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 Winnie, prior to working at L'Oreal, uh, worked uh, at a hedge fund um, in Washington D.C., and she worked there with Robbie. And so when she found out I was opening Ross Brewing, she's like, "You know, that's funny. You're the second guy I work with that is going to open his own brewery." She goes, "He wound up quitting and doing it full time." I said, "Well, lovely Suzanne's not going to let me do that at this moment." Right. Um, but uh, but uh, she connected us. You know, we went through Virginia a couple of times for uh, John Ross, the intern, sailing tournaments a few times. And uh, it's every time I go down there, I wind up picking up more and more beer because it's just so great. So this one is Waypost. Now, this one is a spiced rum barrel aged. So it's, it's, it's a barrel aged, but it's spiced rum they're using. Uh, Imperial Stout coming in at 10.4%. So... Waypost is the name of the beer, but it also is kind of simultaneously the name of the series because there's a number of different Waypost variants. They brew the same Imperial Stout, and then there. So far, I've experienced four different variants. So this, I had not had the spiced rum barrel aged one before. This is my first time. So why don't you guys tell me what you think first? I, I really enjoy this. This is um, you definitely get that spiciness in there. It's got a. It's got a nice little. Tingly feeling to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. But I, I, and that's the that's the rum. I mean, it's it's really good. This is this is what I would call a perfect beer for a fire. Yes, Put a fire on in the backyard. Yeah. Nice. You crack call. one of these and you just kind of sit back and you sip and with a couple of friends and, and relax. Yeah, yeah. this is dark. Beer. It's beautiful. It's making me tingle. <laughs> Um, and it's, that might be because no, no. I'm just I, well, yeah, it could be, uh, and uh, I feel really good could, right now. Could be Mo's good side staring at you. That it, could be making sure, you right sure, here. absolutely. Could be a combination of things. This is definitely helping, though. You know, one of the things I want to mention too is I love the nose on this one. Um, you know, we we you know obviously we've been doing more and more fruited sours. You know, we were in a phase where we were doing a lot of uh, IPAs, mm. hazy or otherwise. Uh, and as as summers come to a close, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more stouts and porters on this show. Yeah. But the nose on this one, and I think a lot of it, and, and, and that's great radio. If you can listen to somebody smelling something, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I, heard, exactly. I heard that. But um, I heard that. But but it is it is just so good. So um, yeah, it's very tasty. That's mm. nice. So shout out to Robbie and the team down there at Virginia Beer Company. 
They're in Williamsburg. So if you're doing a D.C. trip, uh, you know, usually if you're going to be in D.C. for a few days, sometimes you can sneak over and do Williamsburg, Virginia for a day. This is a must visit on that. For me, it's worth the drive, um, you know, even if we're not doing D.C. And two of the three times we've been there, we weren't in D.C. We were just passing through, but we made sure. And, and here I am in the car with the lovely Suzanne. She's like... It's funny. The directions are saying go due north, but you're taking us like 30 miles east. I'm like, no, it's a shortcut. Don't worry. But um, <laughs> but listen, this is what we do for beer. So, Mo, we are going to flip it back to you for our, our segment here, Mo's Coolest Thing of the Week. Week in and week out, you encounter all sorts of cool things out there in La La Land. What is your coolest thing of the week this week, my friend? Okay, so uh, what I try to do every at least once every other month is uh, make a trip out to Las Brush Vegas. Your teeth. I'm sorry. Now, go ahead. Now, I don't have a gambling problem or anything like that, but I, I go to visit friends and family, and from time to time, it becomes more of an adventure just to get there or just to come back. So I figured, you know, what's the best way to uh, to make that round trip? And so I have two actual coolest things this what? week. Right? Yeah. So on the way there, I found this new app called Turo, T-U-R-O. Okay. It's a, uh, it's a car rental app, and it offers a lot more uh, options than you would with Avis or, or National or anything else. So there have been quite a few times where I've, uh, you know, I've chosen the luxury item, uh, the luxury car or the, or the Jeep, just to get something else that I really didn't, uh, didn't want to rent because that's all they had left, right? So Turo gives you the exact model of the car. Now, you could rent a BMW 5 Series. You could rent a Tesla. You could rent a Ferrari. I mean, what? it's everything. Oh, cool. And the what did price... you get? A Kia Sportage or? <laughs> no, well, here's here's so I tried to be the cool uncle and I got the the Tesla X. Oh my the, god! Uh, the SUV. Yeah. Right. And then only for my nephews to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Wow. Oh yeah, they're so over <laughs> We're, it, we're man. really impressed. Yeah. Wow. But it was it was only one hundred forty four dollars for the day. How is that so, possible? So it's you get an amazing car at an amazing price. So it's just unbelievable. So, so, so on the way there, similar to what you were saying, I love the drive. Yeah. You see the mountains, you see everything else. It's it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, uh, trip. I'm sorry, you were saying? Well, if I'm remembering correctly, because I, I think I've yeah. heard of Turo, it's sort of like it's the Airbnb of car rentals yes. because you're not renting from an agency. You're renting actual people's cars that they've made available. Exactly. Yeah, and in oh, some wow. cases they'll let you take it one way, which is crazy. I mean, I know it's their car. Well, and how do they get it back yeah. then? Well, somebody else drives they, it uh, back. Well, they eventually have a home base, and then you know, between Las Vegas and and L.A., there's a desert. There's a lot of traffic back and forth, so oh, okay. they'll they'll allow somebody a one way uh, trip over there. Do you imagine yeah. this happening in Manhattan? Oh, you give me the car. See ya. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Gone. <laughs> so I get it. So 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 like Uber, uh, you know, disrupted taxis, and Airbnb is disrupting travel yeah. sites. And, They're and trying Uber to disrupt is about three hundred dollars or three hundred and, and change just to get to Las Vegas. So for half the price of an Uber, you're driving yes. a performance vehicle of your choice, and yep. uh, that's got to be awesome. So now, what about if you way? pick a regular car like a Corolla or something else? It's like it's dirt cheap. It's like forty bucks. So you can, you can get whatever – if you want to go cheap, you can definitely find something there. If you want to go exotic, they got plenty to choose from. Mm-hmm. So I've got to see if it's so, available out here. I've never used it before. That is pretty cool. Mom. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes they're located at, at a hotel, so it's not, it's not you know, just at airports or, or, or whatever, you know? Okay. And so on the way back, right, I found this app called JSX, right? And, and you can also get it online. It's, it's, a, it's a private plane. 
that essentially flies from <laughs> Orange County. I got to talk to the higher Vegas ups at L'Oreal. I don't know what's going on over there. Wow, <laughs> JSX. But JSX. But you know, when when I booked it, it was two hundred and thirty bucks to to fly on a private plane from Vegas. To fly on a private plane one way from Las Vegas to uh, to Orange County. Wow. So for me, John it works Wayne out a Airport. lot better because – what's that? Was it was it John Wayne Airport, Long, Long John Beach? John Wayne Airport, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, wow. And so normally, normally there aren't a lot of flights, believe it or not, that go from Orange County to um, to Las Vegas. So if you live in Orange County like myself, you'll have to drive 45 minutes to an hour up to Long Beach or even further up to right. LAX. So now so that you're part a, of the Glitterati, tell us, what is it like <laughs> flying on a private plane? You're a true jet setter. It's a little setter. cramped. It's a little cramped, but you know you have, uh, you know, it's about seventy five percent filled. Okay. You know, I've only done it twice, and so it's a, uh, it's, it's a very, very quick trip. It's like sitting in a really nice car. I, I mean, imagine as soon as well, you like get the, up, you're, you're going back down. But the security wow. and everything, you breeze through, right? Because you're not breeze going right through. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, John yeah. Wayne's a great airport. Long Beach is really nice. Long Beach, do you still have to walk out to the plane? Yeah, you do. You yeah. do? You still have to walk? Yeah, because we did that at yep. the Super Bowl once. We had to drive. Because, uh, uh, what was it? JetBlue, I think, wasn't flying into San Diego at that point. And, so we had and they've, they've, cut, oh, they've okay. cut about a third of the destinations from from, uh, from Long Beach. So there's even less traffic out there. It's oh, wow. Crazy, yeah. yeah. Well, but my, so, yeah those one, are my two things. Uh, uh, book a JSX. And uh, You can do a round trip, or in my case, I just do it one way on the way back. Because, you know, last, last Labor Day, it took me seven and a half hours. To, do to go from Las Vegas back to uh, to Orange County. So That's no thank crazy. you there. Wowzers. See, I'm yeah. going to try to look cool, tell the lovely Susan, hey, I've got this next trip handled. I'm going to look up JSX. It's going to be $48,000 to fly from there to Maine. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, hey, drive there. You, you use the Turbo app and uh, get a Ferrari. Can you get like an M1A1 Abrams tank? Like That would be sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, Mel, I have to tell you, hats are very cool this week, guys. It's time for top three. Top three, ladies and gentlemen, top three. Point blank viewers and listeners, you know what top three is. Each week we have a different topic, and we're going to throw it out to you, the point blank viewers and listeners, to give us your feedback on what makes up the top three. The criteria are always your own. We're going to actually cover that specifically in a moment. Our top three this week, top three breweries in the U.S. Top three breweries in the U.S. I worded it that way for a reason, and uh, it actually came into play in some of the voting. I'm going to tell you why. Um, some people ask, oh, but is it the brewery that puts out like the most good beers? Or is it the brewery that does like one beer really well that, that you really love? Or is it, um, or is it could it be like, like a foreign brewery that sells in the U.S.? I say, listen, the rules are there are no rules you define top three how you want <laughs> what i would pick would be different than al would pick or ming or mo um but but we are going to do we're going to go around the room we're going to give our picks and then we're going to get to you the point blank viewers and listeners your vote i can tell you it's not record breaking uh it's not the most votes we've had uh but we did get a significant amount of votes 377 votes so uh so not statistically insignificant but mo we're going to start with you as our resident non-drinker since mike zepsig is hey. not in the house uh i was happy uh, to note that you voted twice in the same thread three posts apart yep. um wasn't sure why you did that i didn't count your votes twice <laughs> if you're wondering i know maybe that was an effort yeah. to do so but go ahead and take us through your top three my friend well, I just wanted a little more extra attention, which is what all people on social media want, right? That's true. <laughs> That's yeah. our next segment, but go ahead. <laughs> so uh, my top three, uh, number three coming in at Omegang, 
okay. where we all went to while we uh, went to Cooperstown. Absolutely. I just love the setup and, uh, you know, uh, in terms of in terms of how they process, they have a really good uh, beer processing system there. Number two, uh, let me get back to my list, is Abita. Okay. Now, now they're, uh, they're located in upstate New York. Okay, that's interesting. Right? Aren't they? Uh, Abita, sure. I thought it was Abita's in uh, New Orleans. That's what I'm saying, Louisiana-based. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so, so close. Abita in New Orleans, they've got two really, really good drinks for non-drinkers. It's their root beer, and then they have the uh, the cake the uh, the king cake uh, soda. Oh, okay. Which comes out, well, that should have been the giveaway here. right there. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> and then Absolution, which is actually a local uh, brewery over here, uh, actually uh, located closer to Torrance, and they make a new soda beer, uh, soda soda drink every other week, and it's just phenomenal. Best soda I've ever had. Okay, so definitely. And we- and while I was there with with the uh, the work crew after our uh, mm-hmm. volunteer day. They couldn't stop drinking the beer. They loved it. Okay, that's good. And listen, I, as I said, you're really leaning in to make the criteria your own. You're talking about the sodas. I will say this. For a non-drinker, your craft beer knowledge, out of necessity, is 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 extremely high. You know, when we opened Maloney's Pub in Matawan, you know, I gave you the account. I said, go here to beeradvocate.com. Okay, here's the criteria for the beer list. You did a great job. We had over 500 beers combined from on tap and in bottle, and there was nobody better at you know at tabulating, you know, organizing the menus by style, organizing them by ABV, organizing them by brewery region. So, uh, so again, you know, I always do have to give you credit because for a non-beer drinker, uh, you really have embraced, you know, what we've all embraced, uh, other than the taste. Okay, so Ming, we're gonna throw it over to you, my friend. Your top three. Craft brew, uh, top three breweries in the U.S. All right, uh, number three, I go with Bell's Brewery of uh, Michigan. Uh-huh. I believe uh, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, uh, somewhere in western Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I met the the daughter of the owner and uh, my friend Will, who now works for them. Uh, they asked me if I wanted to play double dare with them during Philly Craft Beer Week. Okay, uh, a couple of years ago, I played on the Bell's Brewery team. Well, uh, cool. I and uh, helped that- them help them advance. To the, uh, I think the finals or the semifinals. Impressive. And um, yeah, the story behind that, yeah, they, they do Philly Beer Week every year. Like, hey, Ming, uh, do you want to play Double Dare on the Bells Brewery team? I'm like, what is this? All right. I thought it was, uh, you know. Did they bring like, back the host from the 80s? Or? I thought it was some kind of knockoff, you know, yeah. Philly Beer Week. I walked in the room and there was uh, the guy, the host, Mark no, Summers. No, Mark Summers. Was Come there on. And his two wow. co hosts. And I'm like, whoa! This is this is real double dare. That's awesome. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. So um, he's uh, got, from there. I think he's from Philly. I think that's why. Ah, I think that's why yeah. it all. And happened. he does all these Food Network shows. He's a big how, producer in the Food Network. Now. Shows. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm we, still seeing him 25 years. Yeah, ago. No, no, he's gray uh, hair. Yeah, yeah. I believe we played against Victory and took him down. At, it was the same setup. Yeah. With the questions, dare, double dare. Took the physical challenge several times. <laughs> I think we won almost all of them. Made it to final double dare. I had to ride a little tricycle through a brick wall with like shaving cream on it to find the little flag. Um, oh, if I can find great. it, I'll post somebody took a slow motion clip of me flipping the bike. Like, <laughs> and, and luckily there was a tree in front of me. Oh Otherwise, the bike would have won into the audience. Oh my god! It was it was it was one of the best times I've ever had. But okay, uh, you know, cool. thank you to Bells for uh, inviting me out for that. So Bells, um, and, and but the two hearted. And, by, and by, the, by the way, yeah, and they make great beer. Yeah, too, yeah, so yeah right. but yeah. the two hearted ale is one of my favorites. Yep. So uh, yeah. Uh, if I see it on tap, 
I always get it. Nice. Uh, number two, we got to go with Kane, our, our hometown. Mm. Kane yeah, here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I've been following them for gee, like it's about five years now. I saw them grow from you know cloud cover, and their head high beers to, uh, and and they incorporated my other favorite Rook brew, uh, Rook yep, coffee. Yep, yep. Into the uh, the um, what's the name of that? The one they do with the Rook, Night of Old uh, Dawns. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, now you know. Now I see their specialty releases with the lines out the door right. and the limit one bottle, the ones that sell out in four hours. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I love uh, if I can make it to their tap room. They have very weird hours, but uh, you know, yeah. if I if I do, if I am free, love going over there with uh, with either you know guys like you or the guys from. Uh, the um the hang on to your shorts podcast. Oh right, we've and, met over there. And what I would say, just like like you mentioned regarding Stone, right? They're in this industrial park. Yeah, you know, behind yeah, they're tucked a, away behind a Costco. Right. Yes. And right. they kill it they over do. there. And the they tap do. room is nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing. It's barrels. Yeah. For you concrete to stand. floor and uh, you know, no frills uh, about it. Yeah. But the beer is they, fantastic. They even have signs all along the bar that say, "Do please do not stand at this bar. Get your beer and move on." Yeah. Right. So, uh, but whatever it is, it's working. Yeah. Michael Kane, uh, known fan of podcasts, known supporter. Podcast, but the beer is phenomenal, and I love it that it's uh, you know about. Okay, so five that was not known, so that's going to be a future. Guest. Oh yeah, Little Silver Resident, lovely Suzanne taught his child. Uh, a little really, information there. But um, I've had Michael on the show once. I just out of the blue, I said, "I would love to have you on the yeah. show." Okay, no problem. Did it. My, Mike and I hung in uh, in Tampa once. I was down there with Mo. Not this past March, the March before. Hunapu. Mo Todd for Hunapu Day. Uh, we were oh. over at Green Bench the night before Hunapu Day for their own festival, a sour festival. Uh, I got separated from the guys. I wound up being with Mike. Uh, we hung for like an hour and a half. I mean, just a, you know, we're both we both live in Little Silver. Yep. Uh, you know, we both retired at forty as millionaires from Goldman. Oh wait, no, no, that oh. wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but no, solid guy. So. Okay, that's your number two. Go yeah, ahead. number one, uh, one that I don't know if anybody knows, but uh, this is more of a sentimental pick. But uh, there's a little brewery in New Orleans, Louisiana, called Courtyard Courtyard Brewery. Don't know it. Yeah, it's uh, that's your number one. I was there in 2014. Um, was went to a Comic Con that kind of went south, and uh, I stumbled on this little brewery that a local told me about. Looked like a guy had cleaned out like a storage unit mm. and threw a brewery in there, oh, and. Wow. Um, uh, as I talked to uh, Scott, the proprietor, uh, native of San Diego, his whole family works at Stone and all the other breweries over there, cut his teeth over there, uh, moved to New Orleans. I believe his wife was from there, started a family and, uh, you know, got the itch to start brewing there. Awesome. But uh, so he doesn't only have... Uh, uh, respect. He, he doesn't have his own, only have his own beers, but many other ones from... Uh, a lot of them from, from San Diego in the world. And uh, I love that it's not really known by a lot of people. So what you're saying is... There's a chance for Ross Brewing to get on tap. Oh yeah, for okay, sure. Okay, awesome. Oh, by far. But um, I think I went there maybe a month after they've opened, and I s- seem to wind up uh, there on whatever anniversary it is. You know, I think I've seen you posting from there oh, yeah. too, my friend. Yes, yeah, yeah for now sure. That you mention it for sure. Last time I was there, they were selling their fourth anniversary. They gave me one of their glasses, which uh, awesome. is in is, is in Studio B, and uh, yeah, they've always welcomed me, even though I'm not from there, even though I'm only there once a year. Uh, they always remember me and treat me very well. Honorary awesome. uh, New Orleans uh, native, honorary courtyard member, Ming Chen. Yes, and uh, I hear they're they're expanding out of the uh, storage unit space that they have now, wow. and uh, it's it's a great place. And I hear we're getting our glass. We're out of the storage unit and back into the studio. Yes, so that's of course, Mike Zaptic, because he, <laughs> he took him through his wash and threw him in the storage unit. 
But uh, we'll, I'll be rescuing them. When back. things go into a storage unit, you kind of have to wash them again when they get out. Uh, yes, so, I'll take sure. care of that. I'll take. I get some Dawn. And I'll take care of that. Awesome. But um, awesome. uh, you know, most people go to New Orleans. They go to you know Bourbon Street, you know French Quarter, Magazine right. Street. Take take a moment. Go chill out at Courtyard. It's pretty amazing. Awesome. Will do. Good stuff. Al, you're in the business here. Yes. In the sense of covering craft beer professionally sure. and getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we think you're going to have some insight here. Your top three, my friend. My top three, and I'm going to stay local um, because I didn't know we were going we were going national, and I don't want to I don't want to give short shrift to the to the national people, but there are some there's some great beers. Oh, there sure is in and around uh, this area in the tri-state area, and this is in no particular order. Um, Icarus is one. Um, they are they are absolutely killing it. I was down there for the first time. I had gotten down to their tap room. I saw two weeks that. Ago. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, actually had a talk with uh, with Jason for a few minutes. We're trying to get him on the show. First off, the cool thing about the tap room, all the music, records. They had Saturday Night Fever rolling, and vinyl. it was on a, on a vinyl. Uh, I mean that wow. right there. I'm like, wow. All right, very cool. Um, his and, beer is fantastic. Yep. And these are guys, they killed it right out the box. Right out of the box. And and this is this is the problem that local breweries are having. Mm. If your beer, when it opens, is not really good, or at least there's a buzz like, hey, man, you got to check out his lager. you got to check out this guy's IPA. You're going to be behind very quickly. Yeah. Now, Icarus, Icarus has done that. Now, obviously, their stouts are great. Their IPAs are all this milk, you know, lactose, juicy, yeah. whatever. But I found out from Jason... He's lactose intolerant. Stop it. He loves Ew. these beers, but he can't drink them. <laughs> and every and he loves coconut. So whatever he can add coconut yeah, to them, he, yep, you yep, know, yep. he throws in there. But he did tell me that he's lactose intolerant. So all of these beers that he's selling, um, he can't drink. And what I noticed while I was in there, while I was having a flight, they had just had two releases a couple of days before. The refrigerator was full when I walked in. This was about five o'clock, and within, I'd say about forty minutes. That refrigerator was almost empty. They had to get somebody out from the back to restock that refrigerator. So his beer is flying off the shelves. There's a lot of places that you go. They're not selling it in a four-pack. It's only in a two-pack. He has done a great job so far. He told me a very interesting story, but I'm I'm not going to reveal it on here. I'm going to kind of wait until we have him on Uh, uh, to kind of reveal it because it's an interesting story about um, the rules and stuff that have gone on in New Jersey here and all the different changes um, with Sports Center update. What just happened there, Mo? So the Mets lost. No, they won't. Oh my god! Um, but uh, it, uh, well, that's a nice tease for your show, right? Yeah, there. I want to. I want to save it for when he's uh, when he's on. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Another brewery that's doing great that maybe a lot of people don't know of, uh, Killsborough on Staten Island. Those guys, buddies of mine. Go ahead. Those, those guys. Uh, what what they are doing over there, Sean Torres and his yep. his little crew yep. in this small barrel system that they have is phenomenal. Yep. They're not open that often. It's open when the restaurant is open, a craft house. They, craft they're house, brewing beer yep. inside of a restaurant. By the way, some of the best barbecue I've ever had on Staten Island. Proprietor Aris Vin, yep. Right. Now, and they are literally around the corner from Flagship Brewing, who I like very much, but I do feel like Killsborough has the edge because they started doing these you know, the lactose IPAs and the milkshake IPAs and their sours and all these different beers, he is just knocking it out of yes, the park. Sir. Yes, sir. It, it is phenomenal. I brought a buddy of mine there uh, a couple of months ago, and I said, you got to meet me here. And he goes, why? And I said, just trust me. He ended up walking out with about $60 worth of beer. Yeah. So I, I know when I'm, I'm tasting good stuff, and I, and this guy knows it too. So uh, before you get to your number one, let's get yeah. an aside here. So, 
So, so Mo and I were co-proprietors at the Wild Goose Pub in Staten Island on Forest Avenue. Okay. okay. We got this old, uh, well, it had been an Irish pub called Dunnigan's. Then it was a restaurant for a long time, an Italian restaurant, Forest Gardens, mm-hmm. basically across street from Burrito Bar. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking two about. Two floors with, a, with an additional room next door and with an outdoor courtyard. We, uh, we took our craft beer concert that we created at Maloney's Pub in Matawan. We imported it to Staten Island. In 2009, prior to the latest craft beer craze. So there right. had been the first craft beer push of the 90s and then prior to the latest one. Um, at our, we kept adding taps and adding bars. At our high point, I think we had 108 taps and maybe about 600 bottles. And so we hosted as the only craft beer multi-tap you know, anywhere on the, on the island was uh, a number of craft beer specific clubs. And so Sean... Okay. And uh, Patrick Wade, who's uh, who's uh, who's his co-proprietor there, and uh, actually it's his wife's. Uh, 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 no, I take it back. It's not Rachel's birthday, but it was like three weeks ago. So belatedly, but in any event, um, so they they were part of the club, and they would come every Thursday night. And so what I would do is we would have a different brewery come every Thursday. Um, sometimes they would just send like a brewery sales rep. Other times it would be an assistant brewer. One time Brooklyn Brewery sent Garrett Oliver, the brewmaster. Oh, wow. We had a few brewmasters come okay. down. You know, we had the owner of Captain Lawrence come down. We had the owners of uh, Six Point come out. So so depending on who I could book for their club every Thursday. And so it was good on, uh, for all parts. The breweries like to come out because maybe you can convert somebody, get a high high lifetime value of customer if you can get them, you know, right. and they love your beer. I love it because they're going to come, they're going to drink beer. They love it because we're always providing new content and new beers. So Pat and Sean used to come. And uh, and they had a real urge to you know they wanted to be that first brewery on Staten Island. Yes, flagship beat them to the punch. That's a couple of other really really good friends of mine too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always have to give credit anytime flagship comes up. You know they let us borrow kegs all the time uh, for Ross. You know as we're in our startup stage, and so they're really really great guys over there. The whole crew. Jay's doing a great job J- J- over there. Jay, you got Matt, you got John. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 they're just really really solid. And you know coming from having you know in some cases worked in the beer industry. They had a savvy. They were able to get their beers into City Field and a number, Penn Station and a number of the other big right. markets. But then you got Killsbury, you got Staten Island Brewing Company. Unfortunately, they had to shutter their doors. Coming oh, up, did they? they? Oh, I didn't know they even closed. They, they, they did. It was, it was, they were open, and then they, they, they shut pretty quick then. Well, what it was is there was actually some family illnesses involved. Oh, so right, there's right. a potential maybe to reopen, but right now they're not. There is another brewery opening on Staten Island. I okay. saw that. I'm, I'm going to try and go to that in two weeks. Okay, so maybe I'll see you there. Okay. we got to get him in studio. Okay. The, cross- yeah. the crossovers keep <laughs> happening here. Yeah. All right, so obviously Brian Q. Quinn, uh, you know, I'm going to get that slice of pizza he owes me. But, uh, but, any, but <laughs> Yeah, you do. But, this, but, but in any event. Adjusted for inflation is half a pie. That's it. I'll, I'll settle for half a brewery. But, uh, but in any and they're, res- they're resurrecting the brand R&H, of course. Right. Listen, I took you on a digression. That was your number two. We we really really endorse Killsboro as well. You're number one. Other than as you said, they're not in any particular order. Right, not in any particular order. But Bolero Snort uh, hey, has hey, been uh, my guys uh, Scott and Bob ah, have been ah, doing. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, full disclosure, I love the two of them, but uh, their beer has been exceptional the last two years. I mean, they are putting out stuff every time they put something out. It tastes great. It's it's and. Very difficult to do when you're a gypsy brewer. Yep. Now, they're building a place in Carlstadt. I was at the facility uh, two weeks ago. Has Scott little- gave me a little tour. Fantastic. The tap room is going to be very small. Okay, really? Yeah. Because it looks like they're building this big facility. It is, and eventually it's going to be a 20,000-barrel uh, facility. I mean, he's got – and they have – I mean, from wow. what he was telling me, what they want to do if things start to really explode – 
They've got uh, envisioning of, of buying property next to them and kind of expanding out and making a bigger uh, tasting room. But he, I, I think they purposely kept the tasting room a little bit smaller. Okay. They've got a little patio on the outside. Um, so And he's got the way he's got it set up, like when they're doing a, a bottle release or a can release, you'll come to the back of the building, much like what Kane yep, does, yep. so that you can get your stuff without interfering with the crowd in the front. Um, but the, And he wanted to do like... A whole sour thing, but they just didn't have enough room to do it. Right, as a like a separate sort of thing. as a yeah, separate, yeah. completely we were, condensed. Which you're seeing rich. more and more of now. Correct. So I think that's the next phase once they get this open. Um, but the the facility is going to be unbelievable. I mean, off the charts. But their beer is so good and so consistent and very tough to do when you're a gypsy brewer and you're bouncing around yeah. uh, to different places to make those beers. Bolero has just done a great job. My honorable mention, Source and Cold Snack. Yeah, already? Wow. Yeah, I, I have to say, wow. I, I was very impressed uh-huh. when I went there at the end of July. Phil and, and how, Greg are doing over there yep, with and, Jeremy. With Jeremy. And Jeremy, who used to brew for Carton, mm-hmm. the fact that out of the box, every beer that I had was spot on. And I, the only the only problem I had was a stout. I wanted it to have a little bit more punch. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going at 9 and 10%, I want it to hit me in the face. Yeah. And it didn't. It was just... It was good. And listen, they'll get that. They'll yeah, no, no, that. totally, yeah. totally. But his Pilsner was phenomenal. The 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 uh, Hellas Lager was great. Yes. Everything was spot on. And it's such a great location. That's it, it, the best part. So so we were very fortunate, the Ross team, to get there the day before. the. Uh, and I think you were, you might have been there that week, too. Yeah, we, we were there the Wednesday. Yeah, we, we, we went the day before the grand opening. It was the town's ribbon cutting. And uh, and so they said, you know what, we're going to open for an hour, you know, just to, like, kind of run through the – kind of like, you know, a soft opening, which is what they sure. should be doing. And, uh, man, are you ever right. Every beer was spot on for that style. The New Zealand Pills, mm-hmm. you know, the Hell's Lager. I didn't get to have the stout. Um, here's the other. Here's the other thing. Yeah, the fact that they ran out of beer before Labor Day weekend yeah. and had to close—that's <laughs> yeah. the mark of a good brewery. Yeah. Now I get it. There's a distillery in the front. You've got to. 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 You've got to, you've got to, you've got to out of beer that mm-hmm. you can't. You know what? You're doing the right thing. So Absolutely, and they're right there on Route 34, folks. If you haven't had the opportunity to get there, great call. I'm going to just say this about Bolero before I uh, before I get to my top three and then the audience top three. So I actually have a tiny, and I mean real tiny, hand in their origin story. Um, And I don't know if Bob and Scott know this, because it's actually before Scott came on board. Bob, of course, was there because famously Bolero Snort is an anagram of his name, Robert Olson. But um, his original was a fellow, Andrew Mayorana. Andrew uh, won the inaugural Wild Goose uh, Staten Island uh, Beer Fest uh, homebrewing competition. So because we had this outdoor courtyard, we did the first beer fest on Staten Island in, in, in 150 years, and we and did it a couple of times. And we had 30 breweries come in and set up, and um, uh, we were very excited at the media coverage we got at the time because, you know, for somebody in Staten Island to pull, uh, um, you know, people coming in from other boroughs, that's not doesn't happen too often. Right. But for the beer fest they did, and what we always did every time we had a beer fest is we did a home brewer's pavilion, and then we had the brewery representatives – serve as a jury, and award the prizes. And when you're a home brewer, nothing means more to you than that. So this fellow, Andrew Mayorana, he was our inaugural winner. So when I, when Ross Brewing was like really just a germ of an idea, um, uh, I reached out to Andy. I said, listen, I remember you won. Uh, would you want to get involved with something I'm putting together? It's going to be a year or two. He goes, actually, I just signed up with this fellow, Bob. He goes, I'm going to be doing their beers, Bolero Snort. He goes, but we don't have a brewery. So we're looking for a place to, uh, to brew. So from my time prior to Wild Goose at uh, Maloney's Pub, 
our our goal at Mooney's Pub was to feature every New Jersey and New York brewery. In 2008, you could do that. Right. And now. Uh, and so New Jersey, we only had five breweries at the time. So I reached out to Greg uh, Greg Zaccardi at um, – uh, boy, uh, I think River it's horse? Uh, no, 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 um, a Ramstein slash. Oh, sure, sure, right? okay. And I said, hey, listen, I got my buddies over here. They're looking for a place to brew. Did you have any excess capacity? And he said, yeah, we do. So we made that connection. Now, I think early on in the Bolero process, if Bob's ever on, uh, you know, well, next time you talk to Bob or I talk to Bob, I'll find out. Um, I think within like two or three years. So not, not that early on, but within a couple of years, they did part ways with Andy. He went to go become a CPA. I guess people do that these days. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so we, we, that was the first place that they started brewing. Now, of course, they brew uh, uh, Cypress. Cypress. Uh, they brew over at uh, Wine Ranch, yep, Wine Ranch, yep, right? And, yep. uh, oh, there's one other place, and I can't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, I mean, the, 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 when you're a gypsy brewer and you don't have full control over what you do, it's very difficult to have that consistency where your beers are, you know, always going to be, you know, good or good enough. They, they've done that in the last couple of years. And you got to really take your hat out. off to them. Oh, great, absolutely. Great, great call there. Listen, I'll get my own. I'll, I'll, I'll do it very, very quickly because we're trying to wrap up here. Uh, I'm going to do another quick segment and then we're done. So my top three, coming in at number three, I've actually got a tie. Okay. Brewery that opened in 2011, August of 2011. And uh, I feel bad because Ming already said them, and it's Cane Brewing. Uh, have yet to have a beer in the last eight years there that I not thoroughly enjoy. Yeah. Every beer I really, really like. Some I love. Uh, we've enjoyed their beers here many times. We're, we're doing beers from all around the country. But we always represent King. They're doing a great job. And so that's my tie at number three. And they're tied with one of the OGs of the, latest uh, 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 of the earlier round, which is Brooklyn Brewing. You say, well, John, come on, Brooklyn Brewing, how much plain vanilla can you get? <laughs> um, let's set aside that I read uh, their book, Beer School, about 80 times cover to cover. I've got in, you know, four or five different autograph editions because I really, really appreciate what they did. I could not have uh, been on the precipice of opening Ross Brewing this fall. Uh, yeah, we got breaking news here. Uh, without having had read that book, so set that aside. Set aside that their brewmaster Garrett Oliver is, uh, you know, the 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 true epitome of a man about town. Uh, you know, a, a global icon. It's that even though they've got these old school beers, I love Brooklyn Lager still to this day. They still are coming out with new stuff. We had K is for Creek on the air here about a month ago, which was uh, uh, three years go into making that beer. If you're going to do an undertaking, it's going to take you three years to bring to market. You know, they brew it, they age it, they referment it, they age it again, they add the cherries, and they and they age it again. And and they're still, to me, still innovating, still at the top of the game. Anyway, they're tied for number three with me. My number two, once again mentioning a brewery that was already mentioned tonight, and it is Oma Gang. Okay, I first became exposed to Oma Gang when we opened the first pub, Maloney's in Matawan. Um, I met with a rep from Oma Gang, um, and, and she wisely had me try four philosophers first. I'm sorry, three philosophers. And, um, and I really, really fell in love with that beer. Then each beer I had from them, the Hennepin, the Rare Voss, uh, just better and better. So we made sure we carried the full lineup there. We did the same thing at the next pub. Bring it all the way forward to 2019. They're still coming out with great, 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 great beers. You know, they really were smart to pounce and get that Game of Thrones license. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they made a, a perfect ma match for them, too. A boatload of money. I mean, some of them were really, really, really. We did the Dragon Queen here in the studio. Uh, uh, you know, a cherry-tinged stout. Unreal. 
unreal. And then, just to, because Mo kind of mentioned it, I visited them a number of times. We love going up to Cooperstown. Mm-hmm. There's a ranch up there we love staying at. And I've done it with the family. I've done it with the guys. We've done it in bowl. We did it at bachelor parties. Everything. Every time we visit, you know, their, 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 their head brewer there, their brewmaster, Phil Leinart, he does nothing but act with class. We're, we're a brewery that is not open yet. We're not open. I'm bringing him beer in, like, growlers that I brewed in my garage. You know, we order, you know, you got me, Mo, and Todd in the room. Now you got my brother and brother-in-law as well. We're, we're, we're putting down a lot of food and a lot of beer. You go to pay the bill. They're like, no, 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 Phil took care of it. So that's not something they had to do for us. And so we'll always appreciate that. They're in my number two spot. Here's my number one. My number one was mentioned as well, but in a different context. Uh, this is a brewery. Uh, they're Michigan-based that I've never, ever, again, had a beer that I haven't liked. So you can see my criteria is having lots of beers that I like, right? And my, I think, favorite beer comes from them as well. Um, so I like all their beers, but my favorite beer comes from them. Um, and it is Founders Brewing in Michigan. Okay, sure, they're in the news. They just sold themselves to a Spanish beer giant. Uh, the owners uh, made some interesting moves on this acquisition. They were able to buy out all of the investors that were with them from day one, 20 years. And all those people received a real nice return on oh, their yeah, investment. <laughs> so nobody got screwed here. Yeah. This is not uh, Eduardo Saverin in, uh, in the social network. Okay, right. These guys got a good, good, good deal. And then the two owners, the two founders, if you will, they each kept 5% for themselves. And the conglomerate took over the 90%. They say day-to-day operations would never change, but of course they always say that. Al covers this for a living, so right. he knows that. But, but, you know, every year I get people that are saying, oh, KBS isn't the same this year, or CBS isn't the same this year. <laughs> Let me tell you something. These beers not being the same, or if, if they weren't the same quality, are still better than about 99.9% of the beers on the market. Uh, the genius that is the Canadian breakfast stout my mouth's watering as I'm talking. About <laughs> He's right drooling. Now. Sorry, guys. John's so, drooling over anyway, here. Anyway, that's get my it. number one. I get it. But guys, but you are right about that. Go ahead. But but I think I think part of it is when they they say, "Oh, the beer doesn't taste the same." I think it's because we're drinking so many different beers. Like if you're just Maybe a lager change. guy, no, no, no. But right, I mean, you know, if you're just a lager guy or a pilsner guy or a, a stout guy, maybe you'll notice the subtle differences. But if you're bouncing around to, well, I, I've been drinking IPAs for for five weeks now. Now all of a sudden here's CBS and and I'm gonna have that. Oh, it doesn't taste the same that I remember. It, it's I think it's it's different. I think your perception is different from that. Um, I've had the KBS from year to year. They send me founders. I, I have such a good relationship with founders. They send me everything. Anything that I that I ask for, I pretty much get. I gotta talk to Al more. Right. Which is which is like CBS is gonna come out in in twelve ounce bottles now. Yep, as soon as it comes out, we'll send it to you. Wow. They get stuff in the room in the tap room that they're not selling to the public. Yep, yep. Whatever, they'll send me something. So uh, they are um, they're a wonderful brewery. My neighbors, my I took my neighbor to this thing they were doing a tasting last year. Real quick, um, uh, in the city, I think it was back in October or November. And I called him and I said, hey, Founders is in town. The brewmaster and one of the owners, you want to go? He goes, I'm in. And this guy travels all over the U.S. He goes, I canceled this. I did this. We're going. He was like a geek. Like us, like meeting like... You know, Christopher Reeve or Shatner. He was geeking out over these these guys, right? So, so much that when I had them in studio the next day and kept them for about 45 minutes... No problem. They sent me even more stuff to give to him. No. Make sure that he was Way. taken care of. 
this is why these guys are great people. But um, I think the perception has changed when we drink beers. If you're not drinking the same thing all the time and you're trying to taste different things, I think the perception, you just your tongue just does, oh, yeah, well, did it taste like that the first time? I don't, I don't think there's any difference in what I they I think you're onto something, year. my friend. And I also think that I don't need a special package uh, from them. I don't need them to send you a third package. Just give me a call when you get that package. All right? Uh, all right. This is the point of the show where you guys are finding out what you, the point blank viewers and listeners, came up with. Okay? We said 377 votes. Guys. Wow. Okay? We have a top three that features one local and two, not really local, but close by. Okay, so coming in at number three, New York City-based with 18 votes. Other half brewing. Other half. Not a surprise. Okay, not a surprise. I mean, they come out with a beer. The line's going to be around the corner right. there. Cobble Hill. And they're cranking them out like, one, like two or three a week. They, so, they, they, yeah. they, they've got the system down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two. A Massachusetts brewery. I, I can I guess. Go for it. Trillium. Oh. Treehouse. Treehouse is okay. the answer. All right. Tr- Trillium, a top ten brewery. Top ten. All right. Trillium came in with eleven votes, but coming in at number two with twenty votes is Treehouse. Treehouse Brewing. Had the privilege to get up there. Um, uh, we had a Treehouse beer on the air last yeah. night on the yeah, Essential Guy Talk. Was it a Sap or? Uh... Well, uh, we, we we had Sap on the air here. Yes. But I'm saying just last night on Essential Guy Talk had some other Treehouse. Um, amazing. It, which was amazing. Excuse me, called Juice. Uh, oh, I've had that. Yeah, that's very good. So you know when I, when when I go there, you know it, 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 the story you told regarding your friend. If I had left spending sixty dollars, that would have been a win. Oh, well, this uh, is the same friend who went to Treehouse. Yeah. And uh, him and his uh, work buddy, and they backed out of there. Uh, his entire SUV was filled yeah. floor to ceiling. He must have spent about two hundred fifty dollars in beer. <laughs> I, I don't think his wife was happy about it. But it, it the same, same thing. <laughs> Good you know, stuff. We uh, I stopped there with the wife on the way back from a Boston trip. Uh, again, John was up there sailing. So on our way back, we stopped at Treehouse. Um, you know, they they wheeled me out uh, a hand truck for the six cases. And the only reason there was only six cases is because the back of the SUV was already packed with our luggage. Otherwise, we would have fit more. <laughs> My so. problem with both of those places, Trillium and Treehouse. My, my neighbor had sent me a picture one day when they were there, and it was a Thursday at noon, and the line was 60 deep. I said, do people work in Massachusetts? Who's there on I a Thursday I, at noon? It, it is uh, like, always packed. The line is always long. But what amazing. We, we have to give them credit for it, though. We have to give them credit for it. First of all, they, they do have the line thing down to a system. And it's they've also got, a long drive up, right? Isn't it you go like this winding road it is, or they, whatever they, They've got there. this huge property. It's a private road. There's parking lots at the bottom of the hill, at the middle of the hill, at the top of the hill. They have shuttle buses to run people up. And they have this absolutely amazing outdoor pavilion that is equal in size to the brewery to cover pavilion, but the, obviously the walls are empty. Right. They've got bands. They've got fire pits. They've got Adirondack chairs. I mean, if I lived in Massachusetts, I would live at this place because mm. it is heaven on earth. The number one vote from the fans with 28 votes, a Vermont brewery. Guess it's not Magic Hat, I'll tell you that. Oh, I hope not. Um, <laughs> Sip of Sunshine. The Lawson's. No, or no, um, uh, Hetty Topper. Hill Farmstead. Hill Farmstead. Hill All Farmstead right. at number one with 28 votes, uh, easily outpacing Treehouse with 20. Um, so I've got to say, it's on a bucket list for me. I haven't been able to get up there. 
Al, in your travels, is that something you've encountered? Or uh, I have not been there, but I'd like to. My my neighbor and I were actually discussing maybe doing a trip later in the winter. Obviously, I got to wait till after football season's over. But uh, yeah, we might uh, we might do a. Have you have you done trip. a segment on them on the show? I have not. Okay, I have not so that's uh, that's a bucket list for me. Okay, well, listen, very very well received. Each of the people that voted for them, in almost every case, voted for them in the number one spot. Uh, so uh, so Hill Farmstead. Uh, definitely, you know, they're, they're doing it the right way. We just don't have a lot of firsthand experience to discuss their beers. All right. Uh, normally at this point in the show, we would do our social media follow of the week, but here's what we're going to do. Even though Al diligently prepared, we're going to make an audible here because we've run a little bit over and some of us have to get up at three in the morning. And when I say some of us, I don't mean, I don't mean me. me. Uh, so instead let's get right into parting shots and the way parting shots work. Anything you want to get off your chest, anything that's on your mind, something you want to talk about, promote, something that, uh, that that you're obsessed with, anything you want to talk about, Mo, your parting shot of the week, go. What is it, buddy? All right. In a couple of months, I am moving up to sunny Playa Vista, what? California. Whoa. You're leaving not, not, the number I, one city in America, Irvine, California. Irvine, California, wow. right? So where's Playa for, Vista? Uh, for a 15-minute commute. Ah. And so I, uh, yeah, I actually saw the place this weekend and, uh. We're gonna finalize things in about a, a week or two, and uh, I, uh, I'm actually flying out this Saturday, so I'll be in the I'll be in the tri-state area uh, for the next week. And uh, lastly, I just want to say, Al, nice meeting you, and uh, nice meeting you. Hopefully, Mom. we'll keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> so one thing though, I, I would congratulate you on this, but it sounds like it's gonna seriously curtail your audiobook consumption. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know if congratulations <laughs> are in order or not. But uh, but guys, well, gladly, short yeah. books, short books. 15 but guys, short just books. like our first year of uh, of episodes here at Point Blank, Mo is going to be live in studio Ooh. next week. So we're happy to have you back, buddy. Uh, even if it's only temporary. But uh, but good luck on the move, Ming. Your parting shot. Uh, this weekend, uh, Mike Zapsik and I will be in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeehaw. Bourbon country. Nice. Uh, we're teaching a podcast class at the University of Kentucky. What tomorrow? Wow. Uh, which means I will be up early as well. We have a nine fifteen a.m. flight. Wow. To Lexington, and then we'll be at the uh, Lexington Comic and Toy Expo Fall Edition uh, one day show uh, Saturday, September eighth, at the, uh, the Lexington Convention Center. Uh, come out and see us. We'll be there with such greats as uh, Jim Steranko, yeah, cool. and uh, James O'Barr, creator of The Crow. Yes, of course, uh, nice. amongst, amongst many wow. people. Uh, also, mark your dates for uh, October twelfth. Our October Feast is an event going yes, on yep. in uh, Atlantic Highlands. Uh, beer, food. Podcasting, uh, I invite everybody to come out, uh, especially anyone listening to this. Awesome. Uh, and it's uh, benefiting a charity called uh, A Need We Feed, and um, and uh, we're that we are proudly sponsoring. And uh, yeah, and we'll be there as well. It's going to be a great event. The date on Rocktober Feast is October twelfth, Saturday, October twelfth. Count me in, man. All right, fantastic. Very cool, Al. Thank you for coming. Your parting shot. Uh, my parting shot is that the NFL season opens tomorrow <laughs> night, uh, and uh, I hope that every everyone's team uh, has a successful season. Uh, me, I hope the Giants have a somewhat successful <laughs> season. Actually, I hope both local teams have a successful season because if they do, it means that. I get paid later in the year, which is nice because the games mean something. But also playoff runs. Well, I mean, you know, if they if they're done by October, uh, you know, (laughs) they don't cover as many games with the Jets and the Giants. But I'd like to see both teams uh, be successful. I think the Jets have a very good shot of uh, of getting deep in the playoffs. Um, The Giants, not so much, but we'll see what happens. Um, And uh, let's hope that. no game this year, uh, much like the playoff game last year with the Saints, gets oh. ruined 
uh, by a uh, bad uh, pass interference call. Horrible, horrible referee. So, there you go. Great parting shot. We are amped for more NFL games coming. Uh, you know, the games that mean something. Preseason right. coming to an end. Okay, here's my parting shot, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a very brief story. I was in Nashville. Okay, so in Nashville, we covered a lot. We went to a lot of bars and, and, and honky-tonks and barbecues. But one day, I found myself in a whiskey saloon. And there's a gentleman playing the guitar there, an older gentleman. Let's say he's about 55 years old. He's doing a great job. He's doing all the classic countries, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings. You know, throws in a little Elvis, a little Carl Perkins, mixes in a random Bruce song or a random Beatles song. This guy's got my attention. He's a real pro, and I like him a lot. So then he says, okay, I'm going to do this song. This is one of my own. And he plays it, and it's called Sunshine State of Mind. And I like it. And I look it up on iTunes, and I buy it. And then... um, and I read up on this guy, and I'm like, yeah, uh, Randy Seymour has been a pro. Uh, he moved to Nashville from Texas at 15, has been playing uh, since then, You know, which is, in this case, I'm estimating 40 years. Uh, he was invited in October of 2001, one month after 9-11, to come up to the town of Red Bank, New Jersey, to play at a benefit concert alongside two fellows by the name of Bruce Springsteen and John Bon Jovi for the benefit of you know, newly made uh, orphans and widows from right. uh, from 9-11. So when Randy Seymour finally takes his break, I, I come over, I said, come here, let me buy you a shot. I said, this is my crew. I go, we're from Red Bank. Uh, you know, tell me how that happened. He told us this great story about how, you know, uh, he was reached out to by this agent that was putting the show together and they wanted somebody authentic and he fit the bill. And he said he met some widows and, and, and orphans at night. He goes, I still keep in touch with them. He goes, you know, I was scared of going. I was the biggest audience I had played. And, you know, I, 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 you know, they made me feel at ease. And, you know, I did it for them. And, you know, we put together a little meet and greet because my mother-in-law was on the trip. You know, she was in the tower. She was on the 76th floor. She was able to get out miraculously. We're always very thankful for that. And so when she came over, I introduced. There was hugging. There was crying, the whole thing. And as if the coincidences weren't enough. He says, so tell me, John, you know, what do you do for a living, you know, when you're not trying to open a brewery? <laughs> and I said, um, well, you know, I work for L'Oreal. And he goes, ah, oh, L'Oreal, L'Oreal USA, formerly known as Cosmere. And I said, I said, thank you, Mo. Mo, Mo, <laughs> who worked in Clark, New Jersey during the Cosmere days. Cosmere, for those at home, before about, I think, about the year 2000, 2001, L'Oreal USA was run here under that name of Cosmere due to licensing and a few other things, importing. You know, obviously, they consolidated where L'Oreal now. We have been for 20 years. But I said, well, how would you know that name? Nobody knows that unless you work for L'Oreal. He goes, yeah, I did a stretch about 12, 15 years, some up. You know, working in a designer fragrance division. I said, well, now you're really pulling my leg. I go, because that's a division I work in. You know, we get to talking. We knew a, a ton of people coming. People that were, like, new when he was there. And to me, they're, like, old-timers. Right. So just – I actually have goosebumps right now just telling this story. Some random whiskey saloon. You know, I was probably about 11 shots of whiskey in. So, you know, that made it even more special. So Randy Seymour. Uh, I want to thank our guest – Al Gatul of the Al Gatul Craft Beer Cast for coming in. People can listen to it on AM 970 Sunday nights at 11 p.m. That's correct. Available online as well? Uh, available online, uh, am970theanswer.com. And then uh, usually around by 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, I have the podcast up on uh, Monday morning so you can listen to it. If you don't catch it live, you can listen to it anytime you want. Perfect. We're going to tease next week's episode. We've got another great guest uh, following on the heels of Al here. We've got the legendary, the one and only Larry Hama. 
widely acknowledged as a key creator of G.I. Joe. He wrote over 300 file cards. He wrote over, well, 300 and counting issues of the comic book. He has created the, the, the you know, along with, uh, you know, the designer and Hasbro, Ron Rudat, you know, created every G.I. Joe and Cobra character. Larry, a longtime Marvel comic employee, a legendary run on Wolverine, defining, you know, other than Chris Claremont, you know, you would say Larry Hammond, a definitive Wolverine writer, uh, his career as a writer, as an artist, as an actor, as a martial artist, as as one of the most interesting men in the world. We're going to talk all of that next week right here on a special night. We're going to be here Tuesday, Tuesday, September 10th. That's right. While Essential Guy talks in the other studio, we're going to be right here, folks. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised when their show comes over. They come and try to crash this show. I think it's going to be crazy. Some of these swords are going to be coming off the wall, chopping people up. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Moe's going to be in studio. Todd's going to be in studio from Chicago. We're going to have a packed house. Oh, we're going to have Ming in here. Uh, definitely. I'm sure Mike will be uh, back from whatever he's doing. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Al might be back. We don't know. But, but, uh, but guys, if you want to be featured on Mail Call, a segment we did not get to this episode. If you want to be featured on Mail Call, it's very simple. Point blank at RossBrewing.com. Point blank at RossBrewing.com. Send in your mails. We'll read them on the air. If you mention in the comments, thank you everyone who watched and listened. This episode will be available for streaming and download in a couple of days. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.